Yeah, Nystrom. Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh, my. Did Mick plant one on C-Card? Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. The spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? The puck drops and Bob Gartner goes right to King Plattenberg. But just a minute, Al Arbor has won four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. This is Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box, your source for Islanders Enforcer Talk. I'm your host, Joe Lazito, and welcome to episode 109, part two of my chat with Justin Johnson. I want to thank everybody for their tremendous feedback on part one of my conversation with JJ. Part two, it's just more of the same. What a, what a guest JJ was, and uh, well, I'm not going to say too much. I'm going to leave it... Uh, I'm going to leave it for you guys to listen. But first, as always, if you're interested in this program, you may be interested in the program social media uh, presence. If you're interested in this program, you may be interested in this program social media presence. There you go. Uh, The links to the Twitter account, to the Facebook, to the Instagram accounts are all in the episode description of this very episode. So, Scroll on down if we're not Facebook friends already, if we're not Instagram pals, whatever it is, or if we don't follow each other on Twitter, hit those links and I will follow you back in kind. Like I said, if you are a fan of the content of this program, you should definitely be a fan of the stuff that I put out there on social media. And let's face it, most of social media is a toilet, especially the last four, five, six years, just an abundance of stupidity. So uh, this brings a little bit of semblance to the social media universe. So uh, check it out. All the links are there. Easy to follow. Go for it. I will follow you back. Now there's another link I want to tell you about. Now, uh, if you're a uh, fan, I'm never going to say fan. I know if you're a listener to this show, you know the artist that drew my logo is local Long Island legend Joe Marisich. Well, Joe has just illustrated a book that is called Islanders A to Z. Uh, I forget the author. I want to say Joe Buono, but I'm not sure. But Joe Marisich was the illustrator, and I ordered my copy. I can't wait to get it, and uh, I'm going to put the link to the book also in the uh, episode description. So uh, check out Joe's Facebook or Twitter, probably his Instagram too. I don't remember, but uh, he has, he has uh, some of the pictures that are in the book. It's a kid's book, but it's a, it's a must for any Islanders fan. So uh, definitely hit the link and order that book. Uh, Joe is a very good guy. And um, you know, this book was a long time coming. So um, I'm hoping that Joe gets paid. Uh, I'm hoping that he got paid a lot of money for this. 
and I'm hoping Eddie gets paid uh, for every book that's sold. So uh, please hit that link, check out the book, and um, it's not that much money, and you just see Joe's creativity. So uh, so that link will also be in the episode description. So uh, as I mentioned the uh, last episode or two, I do have another podcast that's uh, on a mini hiatus while I present the Justin Johnson trilogy to you, and that's the Nordiques Knuckles podcast. So that's a podcast I started a few months ago, and um, it was, uh, I, I would say, it replaced this podcast, but uh, this podcast is never going to die. It's basically, as far as I can get guests, both podcasts will live. And uh, I was fortunate enough to meet JJ at the Islanders Alumni Night, and um, man, he's a great guest, gave me six hours of his time, so uh, I'm able to bring this trilogy to you. So while I'm doing this, I am trying to secure guests for the Nordiques Knuckles podcast, and I do have one, and it's uh, a different kind of interview than I've ever done, to be honest with you. And uh, I won't let the cat out of the bag, but I will tell you this. Uh, both of these podcasts are, they focus on the enforcers. They focus on the physical players. They focus on the guys who stand up for each other. And that role and the job, you require a certain amount of toughness. My next guest for Nordic Knuckles podcast, um, he was a gritty player, by no means an enforcer, but maybe the toughest human that I will ever interview based on his backstory, which is something that most of us will never ever have to, well, by now it wouldn't be, but have ever had to experience. Um, his story is unbelievable. And uh, I'm actually really looking forward to interviewing him because um, Mike McWilliam, if, if you're listening, you know exactly who it is. Uh, I became aware, I, I knew of the player, I became aware of his story through Mike McWilliam and uh, I reached out to him and, and we chat every so often now. And um, his story is unbelievable. So uh, the next episode of Nordic Knuckles will probably be out in two weeks. And uh, I'm really excited to bring the interview to you because there's a lot of real life stuff in there that we will never have experienced. And this is, I mean, this is real life shit. So uh, I'm anxious to interview him and uh, you'll find out who that is very soon. But in the meantime, go back and check out uh, the previous interviews I've done. Um, Trevor Steinberg, Ken McRae, Dave Marcinishin. I recycled the Brent Severin interview that I did originally for this program. And, um, you know, I, those guys were great guests. You don't have to be a Nordiques fan to enjoy those episodes. Trust me. So it's just like I say about this show, if you're not an Islanders fan, you could still enjoy it. If you're not a Nordiques fan, you could still enjoy the Nordiques knuckles. So give those episodes a listen and uh, let me know what you think. Also fourth line voice, my buddy, Darren. Now the Saskatoon chamber of commerce actually reached out to me and asked that I do not associate Darren with Saskatoon. They want me to uh, associate him with Martinsville, which is the actual town he lives in. Saskatoon uh, does not want to be associated with Darren. I guess he's nothing but trouble, causing trouble in the subways there and uh, amongst other places, the malls. So uh, Martin Martinsville's own Darren of the Fourth Line Voice podcast. Proud member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, I believe by the time you're hearing this, should be back from his annual Vegas trip. But the trooper that Darren is, he doesn't miss many episodes. And this week, uh, Darren 
and a buddy of his, Chris, uh, they went in-depth into the Ty Domi-Rob Ray rivalry. Now, if you know me, you know there are a handful of fighters that I don't really care for, and those two guys actually topped the list. That being said, the episode was was terrific and um really just it goes well beyond saying round one round two uh it's very thorough very good episode and very entertaining even for someone like myself who doesn't really care for either either of those guys although i will say um over the years there's probably not a lot of people who are not i'm not a robbery fan i'm just not and um you know it all started with the jersey thing but you know for me the proof is there, man. When they put in the Rob Ray rule and he had to keep his jersey on, he's a completely different fighter. And this is coming from someone who does not really care for him. As a, as a player, as a person, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I can't can't say anything bad about the person. Uh, but as a player, I hated the whole jersey thing. But, you know, for those people who think he was a speed bag his whole career, when he had to keep the jersey on, he was lethal. So, um, you know... So for those of you out there that criticize the guy, I get it. I get it. The jersey thing, it didn't sit well with me. Um, but he had to keep the jersey on at some point, and you, you got to give credit where it's due. You have to. So um, so for those of you that don't like the guy, I'm right there with you. But, you know, to say that he was a speed bag is just stupid. But uh, and I And I don't care for Ty at all. So, um definitely give that a listen because it's well worth it and if i'm endorsing it oh well you know i love darren but i'm endorsing the episode because it was very well done uh also darren has his youtube channel the fourth line voice youtube channel if you've ever watched the hockey fight on youtube chances are it was on the fourth line voice youtube channel just in case though why not go there hit that subscribe button and never miss another bout and speaking of youtube channels the new bully on the block, five in a game podcast. My pal Jordan from Cape Breton. He has a podcast. He also has a YouTube channel, five in a game YouTube channel. Jordan does a lot on his YouTube channel. He incorporates his episodes uh, with video, like a video backup, but it's sort of like a, a visual story, uh, something I could never even think about doing. Um, so if you're more into the visual, I would definitely check out the Five in a Game podcast on the Five in a Game YouTube channel. If you're someone like myself who listens to your podcast mostly during your commutes, uh, I listen to the Five in a Game podcast on uh, you know on Apple, where I listen to all my podcasts. Jordan covers. He started out primarily the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, but he has branched out more into the LNAH as well. And uh, his latest episode, I think, when he doesn't do an interview. Uh, he he has some topics. He does top five this, uh, certain countdowns. Uh, and I think his latest episode, because I listened to it a week ago, uh, was more of a news and notes thing from around the Quebec League and the LNAH. But um, Jordan, he's got the fire. He's got the passion. Give it a listen. Subscribe to um, to the YouTube channel. Follow the podcast, just like Fourth Line Voice. Do the same. Okay. So now here is my uh, public service announcement. I am a game-used gear collector. For instance, my guest today, Justin Johnson. Unfortunately, I do not own a single game-used item of Justin Johnson's. I'd love to get a stick. Sticks seem to be the easiest thing 
even though they're the hardest thing to ship. Uh, but I never had the opportunity to meet JJ while he was playing. So I never had the opportunity to ask him for a stick. Um, but anything, if you have, uh, anything, Justin Johnson, that you, uh, might be willing to part with, please let me know. And that goes for anybody who has played for the Islanders or their affiliates and the Nordiques and their affiliates. That's really the primary focus of my collection. So, um, Today is Justin Johnson. If you have anything of his, let me know. But if you have anything that fits into that Islanders or Nordiques parameters that I've set, please let me know. Hopefully, we can work something out. And just a few um, a few things I want to talk about. I won't talk very long. Uh, I'd like to congratulate Barry Trotz. It was announced today that uh, this summer, uh, David Poyle will be retiring as general manager of the Nashville Predators, and Barry Trotz will be taking over. And um, I think there are a few guys as universally respected in the sport than Barry Trotz. So uh, I'm sure everybody is happy for him. And um, of course, you know, I, I like Lane Lambert. And what I'm learning very quickly is I seem to be in the minority here amongst my Islander fan brothers and sisters. But uh, I do like Lane. I, of course, I wish Barry was still here. And that has nothing to do with Lane. When you have a Hall of Fame coach, you don't ever want to lose him. But uh, that was Lou's decision, and I'm very happy that uh, Barry – I would have liked to see Barry coach in Winnipeg. I'm not going to lie. I wish he would have landed there, but Rick Bonus is doing a great job, and it seems to have worked out for everybody. It, it worked out for the Jets. Bonus is – he's really got that team flying, although not against the Islanders. And, of course, Barry now ends up as the, the boss in Nashville starting the summer, so good for him. Um I want to wish a happy birthday to Dean Ewan. Uh, his birthday is on Tuesday. Um, you guys know, people that have known me a long time, Dean is Dean is my brother. He's he's my closest friend for, for many decades. And, um, you know, I'd die for that guy and I'd kill for him. It's really, really the bottom line. And, uh, you know, he's, he's my brother. And his birthday is up on Tuesday. And uh, I just want to wish him a happy birthday. And, uh, you know, of course, I'll call on Tuesday. But uh, but I want to wish Dean Ewan a very happy birthday. And, of course, if you follow me on social media, uh, you will see the posts about his birthday on Tuesday. And the one final thing I'd like to talk about, and it's something that has been discussed on social media and on talk shows and on podcasts for probably the last couple of months. And it's this idea of teams tanking for Connor Bedard. And to be honest with you, I've heard a lot of people who are allegedly smart and allegedly know the game have some really stupid fucking opinions. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's fucking embarrassing, some of these people. Now, there's two points I'd like to bring up. The first point is, this isn't back in 1984 when your worst record in the league guaranteed you the first pick a la Pittsburgh with Mario Lemieux. There's a draft lottery. And even if you finish with the worst record, and even though you have the highest percentage of getting that first pick overall, it's still not a guarantee. So teams are going to tank for the best chance to draft Connor Bedard. But it's not a lock that they're going to get that first pick. I think what's lost on some of these experts, and I, I use air quotes with that, is the people who are saying that the players are tanking for Connor Bedard 
have probably never played a competitive sport in their life. The difference between people like myself and a professional athlete, they have a different mindset. And I think it's that mindset. And it's not just professional athletes. It's people who are successful in business. Um, they only know one way. It's it's that winner's mindset. And they, for instance, you could take anybody who's successful in business and someone that, you know, you could look at anybody that's a, a multimillionaire, billionaire, whatever. They've, they've hit on something that has made them that successful. Well, chances are before they hit it big, they had five, six, seven, a dozen absolute failures, but they kept going and they ended up being a success. To be a professional athlete, you don't have that mindset where you're you're going to lose on purpose. The whole idea, the whole point of being a winner is you don't ever consider losing. And a professional athlete is not going to go out there and lose on purpose. It, I mean, listen, maybe in 1919, some of the Chicago White Sox did. That was a financial decision. And of course, times were a lot different back then. But to me, the idea of someone on Montreal or someone on Chicago um, losing on purpose just for the chance of getting another player is so asinine to me that I, I just can't fathom it. Professional athletes and, and and successful business people have a winner's mentality. They're not built to think about losing a game, and and I I do think I do think that players of yesterday, and I'm not even talking about a hundred years ago. I'm talking about 25, 30, 40, 50 years ago. I do think that yesterday's player hated to lose more than today's players. I think the money now is so great for a lot of these guys that winning and losing is important. And I think they love to win, but I don't think they hate to lose. Where back in the day, winning meant everything. I think now with some of these guys, they're worried more, or at least equal to their, they got to promote their brand. But saying that, what's the best way to promote your brand? winning so when i when i hear these writers these these established and again i use that in quotes writers and columnists and hosts talk about these teams that are tanking it just blows my mind and it just proves to me that they don't have a winner's mentality because the difference between the weekend warrior and the guy getting paid six, seven, eight figures to play a sport in front of thousands of people and millions of people on t television and in streaming is that winner's mentality. So that's just, it, it's just my opinion. I don't get it. When I hear the idea uh, of players tanking, it just boggles the mind. So I could be talking out of my ass. It wouldn't be the first time. I think I made sense, but that's just what I think anyway. So um, I have now spoken for 18 minutes, 18 and a half minutes, and you obviously did not come here to listen to me yammer on at all. So um, like I said a few minutes ago, 
The people that reached out to me after the first part of the interview with Justin Johnson, thank you so much. And uh, as usual, what I always do is defer the credit to the guest because the guest, it's, it's part, it's the part of the show that you came here for. Um, Justin was an amazing guest. We get more into the professional part of his career in this episode. And then next Monday, we reach the finale part three of the trilogy with Justin Johnson. But for now, everybody stay tuned for part two with Justin Johnson. You you'll have to confirm this for me to me this time in your career, when you get to Cincinnati, I kind of look at, at this is the first, I kind of look at your career in three steps and I'll tell you the steps as we get there. But to me, this was the first big step. All right. Uh, you played 43 games. You had 22 points, 208 penalty minutes. I mean, you had numbers that a guy that, that played a full season would consider a good season. You had 26 fights in 43 games. You led the league, the entire league in penalty minutes. You had 31 fights that year total, 26 with Cincinnati. What was it exactly that clicked when you got to Cincinnati? And I don't mean to... Uh, um correct you but i think it was like 269 penalty minutes that year well it, i finished with well it was two two oh eight with cincinnati alone that's not counting utah yeah yeah so um but you did lead the league so the 208 so that, was just cincinnati yeah that was uh showed up not familiar with anybody in the team but the coach was really uh very clear with me like why he was bringing me to the team um the year before, they had won the Kelly Cup, and they had a tough guy named Jimmy Bonneau, mm -hmm. um, well-thought-of guy. He obviously did his job and earned his promotion that year, so he wasn't with Cincinnati, and they had some. They still had a really good team mm -hmm. with some really good players, uh, players that were established, and then younger players coming out of college that were just excellent players, um, and playing in that division was rough. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like It, it was rough, and they didn't really have anybody to kind of even the playing field, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was evident in kind of what was going on and he, he, he saw it. And even so it's cool now thinking about like him saying like, Hey, I, I need you. And I'm hoping you are um, going to be able to kind of fill something that the, that the team needs right now. And so I remember that, Obviously, you know, for me being like a, an older guy and maybe a little more mature, I, I understood that. And so that kind of put me at ease. You know, I wasn't worried about like it being a tryout, you know, like he wanted me on the team. Um, but still, brand new locker room, brand new guys. Um, but as I, as I learned, you know, through this process that, you know, th those guys that step up for others are always very well received and, and, and well cared for and, take, and, and thought of by your teammates. And so um, just getting through that first day or so and, and, and being in the lineup, like, I mean, I think I got there the day before he had a game. And uh, it was on. Yeah. You know, it, it was it, it was on, and I, I don't want to start talking too much. I want to make sure you get to <laughs> kind of guide this or whatever. But, yeah, this was a really long, interesting year. Well, before we get to some of the names that you fought, and, and these are names that, a lot of people will be familiar with. I have to ask right off the bat, uh, you wore number 85. Was there any specific reason for that? Yes. 
this this was when Chad Ochocinco was the man <laughs> in Cincinnati, and I remember the the uh, the uh, Burke Burke or Burke I can't remember what we called him. Really fun guy from Cincinnati, from Cincinnati, right? And he's like, man, wouldn't it be cool if you wore eighty five, man? You wear eighty five, <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, why not? You know, and so I wore 85. It was completely ridiculous. <laughs> and I don't even know if Chad ever even heard about it, but I was I, I just went along with it. I'm glad I did, you know. I would imagine that there were some 85s in the stands also then. Yeah, I yeah. I would think so. Yep, yep. All right, JJ, we got to get down to this because not only, I mean, this list of fights is bananas, and not only that, the you had some... Uh, Round twos, round threes, round fours. Probably the easiest way to do this with you is just let me throw out some names to you and, and you tell me if anything rings a bell. Um, let's start with Cedric Bernier of Wheeling. Uh, you fought him at least two times that year. Yep. No, he, he was uh, just having his way with Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. He was he was the big bad wolf um, with Cincinnati that year. And so uh, that was the first weekend. We got to, yep. got to go at it with him and now, he, he, I think he probably fancied himself to be a psychopath killer out there or whatever. But, uh, you know, at, at that point for me, um, having grabbed onto guys like Nielsen and Goulet and Odette or whatever, he was not he was not to be a feared. He wasn't a big puncher. I don't think he had like knockouts that, that I could see from, the, you know, the research I was doing, trying to get ready for him. Um, so for me, it was more just about the nervousness of like being what the team needed me to be. And uh, luckily the fights, you know, I, I, they went well enough to where I think I was like, okay, well, like we, this guy can stay. Uh, Dominic Demore of Dayton, you fought him twice, and then his teammate Britt Darty, you fought him three times. Oh yeah, D- Dayton was a tough team. Mm-hmm. That coach was an old school coach, like where he would talk to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I got a, I got a few for you. You know what I mean? Like he would yeah. tell me, like you know, it's gonna be a long night. Like he just he, he was he was really good about you know just uh, he was a part of the game, mm-hmm. like not not in a way that was ridiculous or whatever, but right. he. I think that was his way of like saying, "Hey, man, don't get comfortable out there because I've got plenty of guys that I can get to fight you." Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you know, Doug was a uh, Demore was a big body, and Britt Doherty was a tough customer. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was a, like a real life RoboCop out there, um, and he was always ready to fight, like always. Mm-hmm. That was not a guy you asked to fight and ever got a no. Gotcha. He was one. Of, he was one of those guys. He was ready. Uh, Trenton, and maybe this guy is in the same boat you were, where you're really the lone gun on the team. I, I don't think I noticed anyone else, but Thomas Harrison, you fought him four times that year of Trenton. Yes, he was uh, thought of as like a guy that was on his way up, mm-hmm. strong as an absolute bull. Like really, really strong uh, kid, um, honest. Um, he wasn't the type to go out there and like do dumb, weird things out there with your teammates. Um, played the role, um, you know. And now, and now looking back and knowing who his coach was, you know, he, he was obviously well coached and, and and 
probably knew what he was doing or what he was supposed to do, mm-hmm. uh, being with Rick Kowalski. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he fought Mike Scroy twice, once with Johnstown, and then later in the year he was with Elmira for round two. Uh, what do you remember about fighting Mike? That was, that was another guy that gave you some heartburn mm-hmm. um, because he was just uh, just muscles just coming out of his hockey equipment. Like, you, like you just knew the guy was an absolute uh, gorilla um, and very unpredictable just in terms of, like, the way he acted on the rink. You know, he, he had that machismo, mm-hmm. and uh, he definitely, you know, had that aura of, like, I'm ready to snap at any time. Like, look out, mm-hmm. you know, but, he, but he, uh, he may not have been the prettiest to watch, but he was a good hockey player. Yes. Yes. He, yeah. he said, uh, he, he did an interview on my friend show and he basically said he was his own worst enemy at times with his, with his attitude at, at times. But yeah, I mean, he, he could play and he could fight. So, and, uh, I think he was close to making the flames or one of those teams that he was with in camp. I think he really came close. Yeah, no, he, he was, he was, he was a scary hockey player. Yeah. Like he just, like I said, he, he had that air of unpredictability. I remember that about him where you're just like, oh man, I, I got to go at this guy a little differently. Right. Because that was that part of that psychology where I, I was probably, you know, messing my, screwing my own self up where I was just like, I want to make sure that the way I approach him doesn't make him even more mad because I feel like the more, the more mad I make him, the yeah. harder it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So I remember I was very deferential in terms of like making sure he knew I knew who he was and that I respected him. Mm-hmm. And I thought that if I did that, you know, I would get a more tame guy when it was time to fight. Right. Um, that's just weird, stupid me in my head stuff. But you know that, that is what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. You fought another guy on Dayton who looked, I mean, listen, all these fights, uh, the guy's bigger than you, taller than you anyway. A uh, guy on Dayton, Milan Maslanka, who it looked like you caught him with a few, and then he just couldn't get you down fast enough. Yeah. No, he was huge, dude, but like I said, uh, uh, I think his his size, mm-hmm. you know, um, preceded him. I don't know if that's the right way to describe it, but he wasn't, he, he wasn't, he wasn't, um, I would say someone who was like, I think he maybe knew yeah. what was expected of him, but I don't think he was buying into that yet. Um, so yeah, he, he, he definitely didn't ask me. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to Redding. Uh, you had two rounds with Joe Cooper that year. I, I saw round one. It didn't look like it appeared to be much, but I didn't see round two. Yeah, no, that, that was just a, I think a, a guy that was, Wanted to be a tougher player or whatever. Um, probably maybe just uh, one of those guys that was eager to prove himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think he, he. I don't. I don't think he was running around the rink trying to be, trying to be that guy. Right. Um, whereas I kind of was a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I think maybe he was just like, "Who the fuck? Like, who, who the hell are you? Like, yeah. you know, I'm not going to let you get away with thinking that you're, you're king ding around here." So I remember <laughs> he would. He, he was. He was. He was game, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, another guy in Reading, and the reason why I'm asking you about him is Kyle Hagel, uh, tough guy. Is it weird fighting a guy like that who's basically your size? Like, all these fights I'm watching, these guys are, you know, a few inches taller than you, some of them several inches. And when you fought Hagel, you guys look like you were around the same height. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember he caught me with the jab 
right in the face right away. And I, I remember getting down. And obviously, when I got up, I was able to quickly kind of turn mm-hmm. turn the tables on him pretty well. But he always said, I get up to him. He let me get up, which was uh, just sp- speaks to how classy he was. Um, but yeah, I didn't really get to fight a lot of guys that were my height or, yeah. or, or weight. Uh, another guy on Reading, and I wonder what he did to make you mad. You received an instigator and a game misconduct against Chris Stevens. <sighs> Sounds like a situation where he just did something that was yeah. uh, uncalled for, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just couldn't let him get away with it. Yeah. Uh, another guy that was on his way up at the time, Patrick Bordalo, who was with Florida, you fought him twice. Those were those were tough fights. Yeah. Those were really tough fights. Um I think this, I remember one of those like being obvious mm-hmm. in my way mm-hmm. and maybe the other one being a little more of a, of a draw, mm-hmm. still two very tough fights. I remember. Yeah. Um, and it was in Fort Myers, Florida. Awesome place to go. Yeah. So glad I got to take that trip. But I remember after the first fight, there was some, some dude, leather jacket, slick back hair, uh, retiree for sure. Mm-hmm. Came over the penalty box, and I, I didn't know what to make of him. I thought he was kind of like heckling me a yeah. little bit. But um, what it turned out to be was he appreciated me and, and like, was happy that I fought the Bordelow guy. Because the yeah. Bordelow was a big dude. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe there was a lot of nights down there where no one would fight him. I don't yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. And I and he was like, hey, you fight him again uh, or whatever, and I'll give you 100 bucks." No way. <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. You to come back tomorrow, and and because uh, the game was close still at that time, and and, yeah. and I respected Chuck a lot. Like mm-hmm. like I had to I had to kind of this is the time of the year where I had to give him say over mm-hmm. when I could fight and not fight. Right. You know, I mean, he he was good about communicating with me or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, I was playing on a good line. I was playing one of the top two lines with Van Gilder and, and uh, Jimmy Kilpatrick. Okay. And uh, you know, at that point, the the the, t- the it was going well enough to where. Um, me fighting wasn't always beneficial mm-hmm. um, because he'd like to have me out there with Van Gilder and Jimmy. So like I could create space for them and, and maybe people knew like, Hey, all right, if we get weird out here, like he's going to come over and try to fight me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, went, went back, had the, had the round two and the guy met me in the penalty box and reached over the glass with a hundred dollar bill. That's awesome. I, and I didn't know what to make of it. And I've stuffed it in my glove and I was just <laughs> like, wow, that, that guy was, he was, he was true to his word. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. Gave me a hundred dollar bill. That was really cool. Tr- part of the trip. And I mean, and, and when you're only making so much money, right. Week, like right. that hundred bucks is freaking huge. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, the night that you fought Segroy the second time, you also fought Guy Lapine. I don't know if you remember that one. Yep. 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 Uh, Lapine, another really strong guy. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I don't think he really loved, doing it but knew he had to mm-hmm. he's just a big rangy defenseman but yeah that was uh that was a good night that, that was a really that was a really good night i remember uh twice in two weeks you fought weapon x alex penner of johnstown uh no video on that one so uh do you remember those two yeah I, 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 the only guy to break my nose oh no kidding yeah yeah the uh Really tough dude, like the, the kind of dude you don't want to run into in a bar. Yeah, kind of dude. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. Like he he had the long hair, he had that like dark look. Mm-hmm. Uh, he 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 looked and and, and seemed crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a great name. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, 
uh, played the role. Like there, there was, he was confused about why he was out there. Right. Um, but uh, I remember uh, he, remember you know that night or whatever. I was feeling my nose, and it was definitely felt different on mm-hmm. one side than the other. And uh, the next week in uh, Cincinnati, I had the team doc. I said, "Hey, can you look at my nose?" And he's like, "Yep, that's broken." <laughs> um, he said, "Hold on." I said, "What do you mean, hold on?" He's like, "Just." You know, lay back. Yeah. I'm like, what's going on here? What's going on? He's like, well, do you want it to? Do you want me to fix it, or do you want to just like let it be like, you know, somewhat deviated? Mm-hmm. And you know, I was still like, like I said, I cared about the way I looked and probably more than I should have. And I said, all right, try to fix it. Yeah. And I remember crying in pain um, and just the flood of blood that came out of my nose Ooh. when he just took like a like a plier or like a. I forget what these did. It's just a, like a tweezer type yeah. instrument that you, your wife probably has in her bathroom. Probably. And just kind of just kind of stuck it in my nose and then lifted it. Oof. And uh, my nose just just gushed mm-hmm. blood all over the floor. And yeah, it was it was bad. But yeah, no, he he, he broke my nose. I don't I don't think anybody else. I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that was the only time I ever had my nose broken was by him. And uh, I saved. I saved uh, a legend for last that year. Uh, guy, you know, fight nerds know this guy. Uh, East Coast Hockey League legend, minor league legend. Uh, what's it like squaring off with Jason Payne? Um, just another, another, another fight where I remember there was a lot of uh, a lot of anticipation and and, and hype, you know. Um, and uh, I think he was in uh, was it in Wheeling. I think I believe it was in Wheeling. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I remember, too, that was a situation where I, I got to have this really, like, great conversation with him afterwards. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he definitely uh, made me feel like, keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you never know what will happen. There's, you know, being black yep. and just kind of, kind of rooting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I, I remember like being a, walking away from that, get on the bus, like inspired, like, yeah. like, uh, I don't know him. I didn't know him at all. Right. And, uh, it was such a, uh, an awesome, uh, interaction and dialogue I got to have with someone I just got in a fist fight with, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, the dude said some really cool shit to me that I, that I definitely held on to, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. I think no, that's I, just I, his personality that I think that's why he's so successful as a coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was, it was, it was, it was uh, that was pretty, pretty cool moment. I think that year. So you guys had a, a really, really good team that year, but I noticed there was a ton of guys who played at least one or two games that year. Why was there so much turnover? Was it just call-ups to the, to the AHL, or, or what was the story there? I think, I think we had a really good coach, mm-hmm. really, really good coach, that um, he didn't wait around. You know, like he knew, he knew what he wanted in mm-hmm. terms of a lineup. And, you know, they won the year before and he was obviously not like mailing it in like, Hey, I won one. He was still trying to win one again. Yeah. Um, and, um, very thoughtful, very, uh, 
communicative with his with his with his players. I mean, he would he would he would get on the ice an hour early, and he would stay on the ice an extra hour after, wow. and pass pu- and feed pucks and work with players one on one. And I think that was a big reason why I had such a good year, yeah. like scoring goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that was him just constantly fine tuning the team. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, he was not a guy that was really really smart guy mm-hmm. like. Um, Remember, I had a, just a, another coach that I really respected a lot, mm-hmm. and you know another reason why I, you know was eager to get out there and 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 and, uh, and do what he wanted me to do. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the bid to repeat as champions fell short. You lost in the semis to South Carolina. Uh, you played 13 games in the playoffs, six points, 26 pims. Uh, you had two fights in the playoffs against Andrew Lord of Wheeling and Nate Kaiser of South Carolina. Do you remember those? Yeah, uh, Andrew Lord, uh, big power forward for Wheeling. Mm-hmm. And I think that was just like, hey, we got to try to get you off the ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of thing. Um, so he was kind of just kind of doing his job. Because at that time of the year, man, I was like feeling like, King Kong out there. Like, yeah. I wasn't, you know, I was taking on everybody that I was allowed to take on just in terms of like the timing of the game and when and where. Mm-hmm. Um, but enough of it had happened to where I was like, I, I was able to kind of accumulate a bunch of fights. But then I was really confident on the power play, um, you know, because I kind of had my own, I had free reign in front of the net. Right. You know, and in the corners. And, uh, just a really that was probably the most confident I've ever been like on the ice in terms of being a player where you know I'm bringing something more than just my energy mm-hmm. to the team uh probably the only time in my career probably ever really other than junior in Danville that I that I kind of got got away with feeling like that mm-hmm. um so and then Nate Kaiser uh, I think he's another one of those guys like you mentioned the minor league legend yeah um big fan favorite mm-hmm. really respected really strong really tough dude you know another one of those guys where you could tell like not somebody you want to trifle with in a bar yeah <laughs> like he, he had that look about him too mm-hmm. um and uh yeah no the, 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 i think the year the the year couldn't have gone any better mm-hmm. for me personally you know i think we would have liked to have gone further but south carolina was just 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 a better team that year just mm-hmm. deeper so you're coming off that year, uh, I mean, in, in totality, a great year, but especially that part with, with Cincinnati. Um, did you have a lot of suitors uh, come your way? Was there a chance to go back to Cincinnati, or uh, yeah. did you uh, did you decide to co- go back home? Uh, he, he gave me my choice. Mm-hmm. He said, you, you came and you did everything I asked you to do. If you want to go home and play or anywhere you want to go play, I will let you go home and play, just as, just as long as they give me something fair you know whether it be like i don't know money or i don't know something maybe like an extra i don't know what was going on in that league right. or whatever but he mm-hmm. said he said yeah I'll, he said i won't get in the, get in your way of going anywhere like because mm-hmm. i oh i guess you could protect players okay mm-hmm. you could do that you could protect players and he, he left me unprotected uh just as a being a man of his word mm-hmm. um and you know that year i learned a lot personally because it was the first time i ever had to play the role like that and i remember i had some behavioral emotional issues um where i was a little too quick to to freak out even mm-hmm. with teammates okay and uh you know he came and picked me up and took me to a starbucks i think it was the first time somebody ever took me to a starbucks or something mm-hmm. and, and uh, just sat me down and just kind of you know explained some things to me that I, I really didn't understand just in terms of like hey like 
if you behave a certain way, you're going to create an energy where your teammates don't trust you. Mm-hmm. And that is the exact opposite or antithesis of, I think, what you want. And I didn't understand that, but he, he, he made it clear to me. Um, so I got a lot of life coaching from uh, Chuck Weber, mm-hmm. you know, because there's some situations I definitely didn't handle very well there. Um, you know, obviously... Well, most I did handle well, but there were some situations I definitely did not handle well. Um, you know, like, like if, you know, we, we had a sleeper bus cause there's long road trips. And if I got up to go to the bathroom or throw my subway away, like some Hey, we throw mine. I'd be like, no, I'm not throwing your fucking trash away. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, just, yeah. I was just like, just cause you see me get up, I'm the one that's got to throw away your garbage. Like just, I was just crazy. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, I was crazy. You know what I mean? Like, uh, cause I hadn't learned how to handle that emotional thing of turning it off and turning it on right right um as far as the role but yeah no he let me uh have a chance to come home and and, and be that guy that i always wanted to be coming out of uaa where mm-hmm. i wanted to be the the aces tough guy and i yeah. wanted to be a man about town and mm-hmm. and uh so yeah it was perfect timing the aces had a new coach come in and and uh you know he was coming from peoria so he already knew that there was nobody coming mm-hmm um and so i was guaranteed like hey like at this point you know leading the league in penalty minutes and blah 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 like you're on the team Mm -hmm. because Uh, i was paranoid about that obviously after being cut twice sure he he, uh he being who was one of my favorite hockey people of all time was just uh i I couldn't have i couldn't gotten anything better from a coach well, I'm glad that you're saying all this because to me, this was the second step. You going home and playing for a, a name that all Islander fans know, uh, Brent Thompson. Uh, to me, that was the you know it, it, the way that your career went. Cincinnati to me was that first step, and then going home and playing for Tomer. I don't think you could have had a better second step. No, no, got to go home. Um... You know, it was a better team in terms of like skill. So I didn't, I didn't get to be, you know, on the power play, if you will, and and, and be a guy that was scoring goals and stuff. But mm-hmm. I was on the team, and mm-hmm. I was, uh, you know, respected and appreciated, um, and it just it just meant a lot to me to be on the team because at that time the Aces were like the Yankees of the East Coast Hockey League. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, um, probably the probably the most supported team by the fans. Uh, probably one of the bigger cities in the league at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, was year after year over year, like, you know, one of the better teams in the league. You had, um, you had 18 fights that year, obviously you led the team in penalty minutes. It didn't look like you had a lot of support in the, uh, the roughness department there. And you were third in the league in, in penalty minutes this year. Am I right in saying that you, you really were similar to Cincinnati? You, you really didn't have too much help in the physical department. No, I just think that playing out west wasn't nearly as tough as it was out east. Like, when I say nearly, I mean, we're talking like it was, it was a, a wide. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. Like, in the East Coast League, that's where all the American League teams were. That's where if you wanted to get called up at that level, you played out east. Mm-hmm. Now, if you wanted to get paid more and have maybe a little, little better playing life, Mm-hmm. or whatever you came out west you know victoria vegas um alaska boise um so it was an older side of the league mm-hmm. and a and a skilled definitely a skill more skillful um i think division or conference mm-hmm. and so the, a lot of those teams really didn't have that element 
Um, and at that point, to be honest with you, some teams had guys, but I had, I had, I had a reputation by then. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, I was, I, I got away with my natural instincts kind of doing, um, making things. I got a, I got away with being as crazy as I wanted to be okay. on the rink. You know what I mean? Like I had a coach, I had, I had a coach that, that, uh, you know, liked that side of the game, obviously, as long as it wasn't hurting the team or holding the team back. Right. Um, so, you know, I got to kind of be like, Hey, like who wants some kind of guy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and if, and, and if the team didn't have something like that, I would do my best to kind of, you know, I wasn't, I didn't just go, I wasn't just like a sleepy. I would, you know, I'd go out of my way to, uh, to embarrass them, mm-hmm. you know, cause some of those teams, they did have guys that fought. They just didn't want to fight with me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I did things like, you know, go in your warm up and drink your water bottles and toss them into the crowd. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just did, you know, I just did some, I just did some wild stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, there, there were some tough guys in the conference though. So there are some names I want to throw out at you. Uh, your, your first two regular season fights that year were, uh, Bakersfield, Eric Lizon. Are uh, you remember those fights? Yes. And, uh, those were really unfortunate for me cause I had broken my hand in preseason on the Jurnet kid. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Kalamazoo, right? Yeah. And I, and, um, so I had, I didn't have any confidence in my left hand. Okay. And so I had to fight him right-handed, which I was, you know, with a guy of his caliber, that yeah. was not, I uh, was, that was not a recipe for success. Right. So th- those, those fights were pure survival. Okay. Pure survival. Uh, December, beginning of December, uh, uh, two games and two nights against Idaho, fought Adam Huxley. Now I saw round one. That was a good fight. Uh, round two, I'm curious if something happened before or during the fight, because when the officials got in, you were absolutely irate. So I'm wondering if something happened because you kept your cool a lot, but this fight, the second fight with Huxley, you were furious. Uh, just, he, he was just, he just did some weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a good, good dude. He just would do some weird stuff to get you fired up, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that was the first fight where I used my left hand okay. that year. Mm-hmm. And so I was maybe not so much about him. Maybe it was just more of me just like, oh my God, I can't use my left hand because I think the second fight, I remember the coach, coach Thompson's like, stop, like your hand is fine. Yeah. Use it. Mm-hmm. And then I used it and, you know it went well. Right. Okay. So, um, I think that was more of just like a, 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 a relief yeah. and a demonstration of showing that relief was less than uh, mature. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was, I was fired up. Yeah, definitely. I was fired up. Yeah. Uh, you had a fight with Chris Frank, uh, with Vegas. That was an absolute war. Uh, you cut him over his right eye. You got cut too, but am I correct in saying that you guys accidentally butted heads? Maybe Some, yeah. something happened on the top of my head. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, no that that was that was a good one. Mm-hmm. That was a really good one with another good guy. Yeah, another very solid guy. All right, now we're going to talk about a game. <laughs> January twenty second against Stockton, you had a fight every period. Okay, and the first two guys, first period, you fight Riley Emerson. See, everyone thinks that. John Scott's the biggest dude you ever fought. I'm not so sure that Riley is bigger than John. 
Uh, you fought Riley Emerson in the first first period. Another name that's going to come up a bunch of times, Garrett Hunt in the second period, and uh, Jordan Benfield in the third, and you received the instigator and the misconduct. So let, I want to start with the third fight. Were you just exhausted and you started the fight to maybe you know get an early shower? No, that Benfield guy was a, just a, like, man, when he hit you, it hurt. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's, he's a strong, like, really hard guy to play against. Mm-hmm. And uh, Matt Thomas just had some tough teams mm-hmm. and stalked him. And, you know, at that point, I was just like, you know what? Fuck you, man. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he, yeah. he, like, I wasn't, a lot of guys didn't really, like, try to engage me physically, you know, in yeah. terms of, like, giving me a good, hard, honest, like, body check. Mm-hmm. And I remember he would try to punish me, and I'm like, "What? what, what really? Yeah, you know what I mean." And but I respected it, obviously. But yeah, he, you know, it, it hurt enough to where you know it pissed me off, and I was like, "All right, we got to fight." You know, uh, I think he actually cut me too, um, okay. so we had, had our visors and our helmets on. But he was a tough kid. I'm surprised he didn't. I'm surprised he didn't do more. Maybe he was like some kind of you know venture capitalist or some kind of math magi- math magician. But I was surprised <laughs> that I never saw his name after that. Because uh, he was a tough dude. I mean, I think out of the three guys you fought, the other two guys, I mean, Garrett Hunt, another legend, the guy you fought multiple times, and Riley Emerson, you know, former Bridgeport Sound Tiger as well, as you know. Uh, but you fight those two guys first, and then you end up with Benfeld. Um, what do you remember about that first fight with Riley and then your first fight with Garrett Hunt? I remember just him being really big. Mm-hmm. That's probably the first real big dude I fought. Yeah. And I remember him hitting me really hard in the top of the head a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was by far the biggest guy in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that was a fight that I won clearly or not. I, I, I don't remember, but I remember him being really tough to handle mm-hmm. for me at that time. For me at that time and what my capabilities were, he was a, t- he was a tough guy to handle. And then Garrett Hunt, Garrett Hunt is just like, I mean, it's Garrett Hunt. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just all juice. Mm-hmm. Like just, just all electricity. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, the guy, I mean, obviously I got a lot of respect for special forces in the military, but like, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe one of the few guys that if you had, if, if I had to give you a list of guys that I played against or with that I thought could have been a Navy SEAL or yeah. whatever, he'd be, he'd be number one on my list probably. Wow, that's a pretty big compliment. Yeah. Um, later in the year, you had round three with Huxley, and you also fought uh, Steve Alexi, and I asked you about that. I don't have video on either one of those. Uh, just Alexi, since he has the Bridgeport connection. Uh, anything memorable about that one? Those are, There's a couple fights that you're done. I'm kind of bummed when there's not video to it, because that Huxley fight was a KO. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it was a KO. Um I mean, that was, like, probably my first clean KO. Okay. Like, I dropped him, and then the Alexi fight, just him kind of, I think he was stepping up, yeah. trying to be, you know, and, and then that year I fought uh, Kyle Hagel again. Yeah, you fought him twice, I think. And, uh, had, like, it was it was a no contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, so, obviously, he was, he was game or whatever, but it was really, you know, because that year in Cincinnati and the next year, you know, he was a guy that was talked about a lot too, mm-hmm. you know, cause he was, he was always up there with fighting majors penalty minutes. And I'm just like, man, that's, those are two clean W's and no one ever got to see it, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that was uh, the, the Alexi guy was a really good player. Mm-hmm. I remember him being, him being a really good player. Yeah. 
Yeah, he played some with the Capitals. So, yeah, um, yeah and I was wrong. Um, Hagel, you just fought the one time. That was round two. And then you finished the year uh, against Stockton. You fight uh, Garrett Hunt. It was your last fight that year. But the night before, and I didn't even know that he had a brother, Trevor. Uh, you fought Trevor Hunt, who's actually Garrett's older brother. And then the next fight you fought, next night you fought Garrett again. Uh, so what is Trevor like, uh, you know, uh, another Garrett? I, I can't imagine he's as tough, but he is the older brother, so you never know. He was a he he uh, he was a good player. He's a defenseman, um, a lot more cerebral, uh, but def- still a tougher dude. Like an, uh, again, another guy that was not like uh, he he couldn't hold his own. He he could hold his own, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not sure he was trying to be a guy that was wanting to fight. You know right. what I mean all the time. Um, but I remember I probably felt like maybe I didn't have the respect that I probably should have had or wanted to have from a guy like that. So I think that was the reason why maybe I went after him the first night. Um, I and then the fight with Garrett, uh, he tackled me and I actually hurt my knee. Okay. Uh, in that fight, um, but I understand it. Like I was, I got on top of him right away, and so like him being him, like you know, he, he doesn't. He, that's not someone who goes quietly. Right. Right. Um, and so yeah, that, that was the end of my season. So, I read an article, and it and to me, this is the third step in your career. Uh, after that season. You, you had contemplated retirement and really focus on what's next. And I believe you were coaching youth hockey in Detroit. Yes. Uh, and you received a phone call that would really alter the traje- trajectory of not just your career, but really your life. Uh, tell me yeah. about that phone call. Who was it and, and what was it all about? So I was, I was coaching with one of my really best friends uh, in life. And I was like, you know, I had a girlfriend at the time. She had a child. And uh, it was one of the more premier teams you could coach at the youth level. It was like U16A, you know, the all-star team in, in Anchorage. And, you know, was super excited to play with Brian Swanson. He was like one of my local, like he was an idol of mine. And I was like, man, I get to, I get to be Brian Swanson's bodyguard. Like I just couldn't <laughs> wait. I just couldn't wait for everyone to see how well I was going to like, you know, look after him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I was, I was like really looking forward to that because I saw that it was, you know, it was, it was, it was it was going to come to an end. I was getting older and, and, uh, things are going well for me personally. And, and kind of just kind of creating a network here in my hometown in terms of like, am I going to, am I going to be in sales? I'm going to go into maybe like public affairs or maybe am I going to try to get like a slope marketing or something kind of job. Like, you know, I didn't know where I, I felt like I could have gone in any direction and I would have been in a good spot. Right. And, uh, I land in Detroit and I got this voicemail from Ron Hextall. And uh, his voice is, uh, you can't forget it, the way mm-hmm. he, he, like, talk, he like talks through his teeth. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if that's a good way to describe it or not, but he's, he, he sounds very hard, mm-hmm. you know. He sounds like a very hard, like, tough man. And uh, I thought it was about being black and coaching on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it just maybe being, like, some kind of, like, because, you know, at that point, like, and the NHL was starting to kind of reach out and start doing some grassroots things and, with minorities. And that's what I honestly thought. And uh, I was in the baggage claim, and I called him back. And uh, I forget it. I think it's Carl Taylor or something. But I, I called Ron Hextall back, and I'm in the baggage claim. And he goes, hi, Justin, how you doing? And I go, great, just landed in Detroit with the team I'm coaching. And he goes, okay, well, um, 
He goes, Kevin Westgarth is a, a guy that, you know, we've had in Manchester for a couple of years. And this year, we, we, we feel like he's going to be with us all here in L.A. And so we're looking to fill a need in uh, Manchester. we got a couple of really tough guys and Dwight King and Jordan Nolan. But, you know, they're, you know, we want to see them develop. And uh, we just think them having to be the guys that are, you know, stepping up every night is just not not something that we we think is good for as an organization so we we're hoping you might be willing to come out to training camp next week <laughs> and i was like excuse me <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. it's just again it was just not something i even had like i was i was never i was never waiting for a call-up right and people people probably wouldn't want to believe that because they were like why were you fighting so much then i was like no because yeah. i was just trying to be all i could be at that mm-hmm. level Right. You know, like I wasn't, I wasn't confused. I was, I was, I was watching those YouTube fights to learn how to fight. Right. Right. So I was watching all these T-Rexes and just absolute behemoths mm-hmm. at the American league level, duking it out. I mean, we're talking like some, I mean, Gerber, Gillies, Yablonski, mm-hmm. McIntyre, Boog. I mean, Morasti, like LeBlanc, Jansen, like mm-hmm. McGratton, you know, like some, just some warheads. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was like, oh, well, um, yeah, like, Wow, I'm just like, you know, and he told me that, he, and he gave me the compliment of saying that Carl Taylor, the coach of the Ontario Reign, told him that I was the toughest guy in the East Coast Hockey League. I remember him, I'm like, wow. Wow. Somebody really said that. <laughs> like, I remember that being like one of the best comments anybody ever, because I, I, I earned that. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I, I felt that's something I really earned. Mm-hmm. And so then um, I said, hey, can, can I please call? Brent Thompson, because, you know, I've kind of committed to playing for them, and I, I, I just, can I kind of talk to him about it and maybe have him give you a call? Yeah. And in my head, my thing was, like, call Brent, be like, hey, Brent, like, like I want to make sure you know I want to be on, I want to be on the Aces. I don't really, I don't want, really want to go. Yeah. You know, I, I, like, I want to make sure you understand that, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, I don't want to just go to camp, get my head knocked off, and then like come home with my tail between my legs and be like, "What were you? Who'd you think you were going to be?" You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Going to that level. Um, so I call Brent. I go, "Hey, Brent, I just got a call from Ron Hexley." He goes, "What?" <laughs> and I go, "Yeah." He goes, hey, "He asked me if I want to come to camp next week, and you know, like, you know, I think that's cool or whatever. I just want to make sure you know I'm, I'm like, like, like I want to be on the Aces this year. Like, you know, I'm kind of like this. I mean, I mean, you know, I've never, I've never asked you for a call up." You know, like, get me called up, coach. And he goes, no, I know that. I know that, Johnny. He's just like, and I was just like, would you mind giving him a call and let me know, like, what the deal is? Mm-hmm. Basically, like, is it just like a little token, like, come to camp and see if we like you or, or right. like, whatever, right? Like, at that point, I was 29 years old. I was kind of, like, in the mood for some guarantees mm-hmm. or else I wasn't really that interested. But right. at the end of the day, like, I knew better. There's Nothing's ever guaranteed. Right. And so he calls me back, getting in the team van to – I drive to Detroit and there's no GPS at that time, or there is, or maybe I'm just not hip to it. And I'm driving like, you know, a bunch of 16 year olds around. And uh, he calls me and he says, uh, he goes, no, you got to go. Mm-hmm. And I said, really? That's awesome. <laughs> and That's I said, awesome. Uh, and I remember he was being, so he was very supportive. He's like, no, you got to go. Mm-hmm. He, he said, as, as, he said, as long as you are what you, what, what you are or whatever, you're gonna be on that team. And I said, Okay. I remember just being so reluctant because mm-hmm. like, like these are all the guys I've been watching on YouTube. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I was like, I, I never fancied myself. Like I could be up there, like beating those guys up. <laughs> I never thought that. Yeah. I never, ever thought that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or worthy of doing, doing that with them. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, called Ron Hexler back and said, yeah. And then the next week I was on a flight out to uh, New Hampshire. That is an unbelievable. I love that story. I love, I, and I, I knew that story, but I wanted to hear it first person from you. Um, so I want to ask you about a couple of guys there. One, uh, one guy you mentioned, but one guy you did. Uh, and I think you're probably pretty friendly with this guy too, if I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm correct. Uh, Rich Clune. What was it like playing yep. with Rich? One of the absolute um, best human beings I've ever had the privilege of uh, being teammates with. Uh, I would have never played uh, people. He He's on a list of people where I would have never played the NHL if it wasn't for him. Oh, wow. I would have never played the NHL if it wasn't for him. Um, he had already kind of been through his, uh, his stuff that he had been dealing with mm-hmm. and was uh, sober, mm-hmm. but just every bit of just completely full of it. Just, and when I say full of it, I mean, just all in mm-hmm. on and off the rink. Um, when I mean off the rink, the training, the dedication to his diet, but then also like the spiritual side, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like truly caring about his teammates deeply, mm-hmm. you know, and very open. Um, I think a lot of people that have things they deal with, I don't, I would, I would, I mean, I, I mean, you and I, I mean, I'm 41 now, like mm-hmm. People who are going through stuff, I can't just walk and be like, "Hey, man, tell me about black blah blah blah." And like, mm-hmm. what was this like? What was that like? And right. To him, just being completely open about just being him, you know. And uh, but also then just a lot like Recklich, wanting to engage me and kind of drag me along with him. Mm-hmm. Like, let's work out. Like, let's let's you know play fight after practice. You know what I mean? Let's uh, like. Hey, it's going to be you and me this year. You know what I mean? Like we're going to be the guys that are, you know, running around stirring up trouble and and uh, duking it out and you know, bring something that the team that that's very important to the team. Yeah. And uh, I could talk hours about him. Mm-hmm. Just he really is a very special person. I feel like uh, so unique. Whereas people who know him would would know what I mean by this. Mm-hmm. If you have a Richard clone in your life, your life is exponentially better. Wow. That's great. You know, mm-hmm. there's just a guy that will do anything for you. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody needs someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And, but everybody needs someone to talk to. And that is a guy you can call and you can talk to him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I yeah. could tell him, I could tell him things that I would be absolutely completely terrified to have to try to tell somebody else mm-hmm. because I, I want to know what he thinks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, obviously I'm prepared. I'm, I'm obviously prepared to be judged, but I'm, I, 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 I'm looking for some kind of, I'm looking for some kind of fellowship to help me with whatever I'm dealing with. And that is someone that, that, uh, could do that for you. That's amazing. Um, Maybe I should have asked you about Jordan Nolan first. Rich Clune would have been the the good guy to finish with, but you you played with Jordan Nolan. Uh, some people may know him as one of the gyms on Shorzy. Uh, what was it like playing with Jordan? And uh, have you watched him on Shorzy at all? I didn't even know he was on that show. He's on that show. Yeah, he's one of the gym. He's he's uh, one of the gyms. Yeah, well, makes sense because the guy's really good looking. And him charming. and his him and his brother are on the show. Wow, yep. that's awesome. Now you have to watch um, it. Awesome hockey player. 
awesome hockey player. I uh, I remember my first few days of training camp having to be like next to him or in line with him doing skating drills like down and back and just like just the foot speed and the pace that he could skate at. And I'd be like, man, I, I don't know if I keep up with these guys, Yeah, you know, at this level. Um, very humble, um, private. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you engaged him, he would engage you back. Yeah. Um, very special young man. Like, uh, he, he, he is loved by everyone around him. You know, from his parents to you know his teammates and things like that. Like you, you felt that when you're around him. He, he was a very talented, gifted, tough, um, mature. Mm-hmm. That was something too about him. Very mature mm-hmm. for to be 20 years old. Like I, I not a clown at all. Uh, somebody, somebody that uh, carried a lot of like a lot of. Uh, I don't know how you say that, uh, esteem or whatever, or, um, but he, he, he carried himself very well. I remember that was something very noticeable to me. Like he was a pro already. Uh, that probably comes from the old man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, I love his father. I mean, I like the Nolan kids. Don't get me wrong, but I love the old man. I'm so happy he coached here and, uh, I love Ted Nolan. So I'm, I'm sure that that's the way he raised him. Yep, and he took care of a lot of hockey players. I mean, I don't know if you ever talked to Chris Simon, ever heard those stories or whatever, but yep. he he did he did a lot for a lot of guys. Yep. And him and his him and his wife, and my what from what I experienced, like being around like big league hockey, or whatever, mm-hmm. the best dressed husband and wife I've ever seen. Yeah, Ted Nolan always had. He was always a sharp dresser, especially at the awards. Man, mm-hmm. him and his wife were so hip, mm-hmm. so sharp. His yep. wife, obviously beautiful, gorgeous, uh, beautiful woman, um, great mother, obviously. Just mm-hmm. you could just feel the nurturing warmth, uh, and then just Ted just being very, just you know, so prestigious and so uh, elegant. Um, just <laughs> he's the man. Like yeah. Ted told Ted Nolan walks in the room like just somebody just can't help but oh that's Ted Nolan. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, um, special guy. Uh let, you jumped right into the deep end uh, in your AHL uh, fight debut, uh, Jeremy Yablonski. Now, uh, did you play with Yabo in Idaho, or, or you didn't cross yes. paths? Okay, so you we know did. Jeremy. Yes, he was rehabbing. There's another reason why I was even getting to play there was mm-hmm. because he was hurt. Okay. Um, even though they, I wasn't like the, the big tough guy coming in, but his injury was one of many and call-ups where they, they needed bodies. Right. And uh, on some of the trips that I got to go to uh, Idaho, I mean, I was just, I've never seen, I, I've never seen a hockey player in better shape. I still haven't. I mean, obviously, Richard Clune is in tremendous shape, too. But just in terms of the scale and the size of Jimmy Yablonski, the, just an absolute monster. Have you seen him lately? Uh, not recently. Check out his heard, Instagram. I should. He's I should. scary. He's scarier yeah. now than when he played. Check out his Instagram. Well, that's um, that's saying a lot, man. Yeah, because he was very scary um, back then too. Oh, he's frightening right now. He's a, he's a, like a Terminator right now. Yep, and he is another guy. People would probably would never take him for very intelligent. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, a lot of people probably want to paint him with a broad brush. People who don't know him and haven't been around him and, mm-hmm. and spoken to him, very intelligent, mm-hmm. very intelligent guy. So 
since you had a relationship with him already, was there a discussion? Hey, you know, Yabo, give me one. It's, you know, first fight up here, or was it just something that happened? Uh, I think just from knowing him, very, very cordial, very nice to me. Um, would talk to me, didn't treat me like oh, just some emergency player, like uh, big smile, big laugh. Mm-hmm. Larger, lar- he is to his teammates, he is larger than life. Oh, yeah, that guy, yeah. Talks, talks to everybody in the locker room, just loves to know everybody and all up in your business. And um, he's just a just fantastic, like just spectacular personality, mm-hmm. like like great personality. But here we are, like in Manchester or we're in Bridgeport. And I hear this guy comes off with a mohawk and I'm like, there he is, <laughs> you know, like, you know, and at that point in his career, like. There weren't a lot of guys that wanted to fight him. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and I think I knew that I had, I had to like, like buddy, like you're, they think you're the guy, man. Mm-hmm. Like you're the person I'm supposed to fight. Mm-hmm. And so there's no running from that. Like if I didn't fight Jeremy Jablonski, I w- they would have sent me home. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure have. of it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure of it. You know, they would have, they would have found somebody somewhere to come in and do this. Yep. Think being older, you know. I think I just was, you know, had the benefit of like being a little more like, hey, like understanding things. You have to fight him. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't fight guys like that, then they have zero use for you here. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. they told you they wanted you to fight him so that Jordan and Dwight didn't have to. Right. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. um, they had high hopes for them, mm-hmm. and. Um, so, you know, you go, I'm on the fourth line, he's on the fourth line, he's on the ice, and I'm on the ice. It's like, hey, you know, he's, he's, he's looking at me like, like, not like he's concerned yeah. at all or whatever, but as soon as I step on the ice, he's, he knows it. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he's looking at me like, with that look of like, <laughs> you, you really want some, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, n- not like, not like a, like a, like a, like a jerk or whatever, but yeah. just like. Do you want to fight? Like, and I was like, "Hey, yep, yeah, uh, <laughs> here we go." <laughs> and uh, it's uh, for me, it's you know, definitely afraid, and it's it's about survival. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was still had a long way to go in terms of uh, getting to that level. He was clearly on another level, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember coming out of that being like, "Wow, you, you survived it." Um, and there was a victory for me in terms of like meeting that challenge mm-hmm. and just stepping up. Definitely didn't win the fight, um, but proud of myself that I didn't run, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, then I had – go ahead. I was going to say that first fight was a long fight too. Yeah. And I just felt like I had to hang in there. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like bowing out or whatever would have just been – would have been death. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like you had to, you had to try mm-hmm. to continue to fight this man. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? No matter how <laughs> pathetic, no matter how pathetic it looks like you had to at least, you know, be valiant mm-hmm. in your effort and it be with intent mm-hmm. to at least be game, you know, um, and step up to the challenge. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, so, you know, I tried to do that and, uh, he was obviously, uh, 
very uh, he 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 didn't like celebrate yeah. or uh, grandstand or like slap his hands and like I just took out the trash kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Respect. Respect. And I I remembered that I'd be like, man, wow, like you know. He just, he, you know, he's at home, and they just had a big. He just had a big tilt where he just pretty much, you know, just toyed with the, with a puppy, mm-hmm. and um, you know, went to the penalty box. And I remember, I think we played them the very next week. I think it was less it's than two me- weeks later where you had yeah. round two. And uh, you know, all right, here's here's my second chance. I mean, again, there's no running from him. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, uh, fought him, and and uh, just his his abilities to just kind of keep you off balance and out of, uh, you know, not in a position of definitely strength, mm-hmm. um, was, it was, it was obvious, you know, like there was things he knew and could do that I had no idea about yet. Right. You know, in terms of how to deal with you and how to sort people out, how to grab them, how to, you know, how to get his punches off and, and, um, you know, how to be on, how to be constantly, you know, in a good solid uh, position of, of, uh, of, you know, not only being able to be ready for me to try to throw anything, but he already had an answer for it kind of mm-hmm. thing where it's just like, you know, just kind of just lighten you up, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and he was, uh, and go to the penalty box and he, he engages me, you know, and, and, uh, uh, remember just, I can't remember if it was, you know, during the rest of the game or in the hallway after, but just like, you know, this week we kind of got to reacquaint ourselves from being together in Boise. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I remember him saying, call me, man. Yeah. Give me a call. Like, you know, give me a call. Let me know what I can do for you. Like, call me. Yeah. And be like, what? <laughs> I can call you? <laughs> you'll pick up the phone. Like, you're like, bro, like, you're, I can call you? You're like, you'll, you'll, you'll answer the phone when I call you? You know what I mean? Like, um, and I fucking did. I called him. Yeah. You know, you know, I would call him all the time mm-hmm. and bug the shit out of him. Like, hey, I'm, I think I'm fighting so and so this weekend. Like, what do you got? Yeah. And and he would, and he would, he would talk to me. He would teach me. Uh, he would uh, prepare me. Um, for everything. Mm-hmm. Then, like, how you handle yourself, kind of how you do your thing. It starts in warm ups. You know, how you, you know, just like things that things I'd like to think that I knew already from my natural instincts, Mm -hmm. but just at a much higher level because he had been doing it. Right. right? And I came out of those two fights and being able to have that experience with him where I was just like, well, um, it can't get any worse than that. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't go to the hospital. (laughs) Um, And I feel like I have his respect, not because I won a fight with him. But having his respect made me confident in a weird way. Yeah, no, I get like, it, man. I get it. It, 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 it like it like it, it lifted me up and emboldened me. It made me feel like, well, maybe maybe, maybe you can't stick around and be that guy. And I'm just being like, wow. Every every night in the in the apartment they had for me, mm-hmm. just be like, man, like, am I one of those guys now? Those guys that I watched on YouTube or you know, <laughs> you know playing the American League and just duking it out every weekend, mm-hmm. you know, and and. Uh, and thanks to him, really. I mean, just a uh, super supportive guy. And there's a lot of guys we're going to talk about, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, just 
absolutely awesome. Yeah. You know, I mean, this, he's on that list with Richard Clune where mm-hmm. you got a guy like him in your life. Uh, sky's the limit. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, speaking of guys you watched on YouTube, a uh, couple of guys you fought twice that season, one with Providence, Brian McGratton, everybody knows him. And uh, with Albany, uh, Pierre-Luc Letourneau LeBlanc, you fought him twice. Uh, what do you remember about fighting those two guys? No, just both guys that I had, uh, I had uh, <laughs> a lot of heartburn, <laughs> a lot of heartburn, a lot of, a lot of uh, nausea. Um, the McGratton one was first and it was at home and I don't know what was going on with him, but I was almost like, like, what the hell is he doing here? Yeah. Like, no, seriously, that, that yeah. was my whole thing. Like in my head, like I could talk to Clune like that. Yeah. You know, but you know, I couldn't talk to the rest of my teammates like that. Cause I would, you know, obviously showed fear and weakness right. or whatever, mm-hmm. but in my head and like, you know, and contact, you know, the, 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 interaction I had with Richard, you know, leading up to like, oh my God, Brandon Brown's on the Providence Blue Runs now. We play them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like what's like like someone's gotta pick him up, right? Yeah. Like put, put, someone's gonna somebody's gonna pick this guy up, right? <laughs> like maybe like no nah, bro, I don't know. And then yeah. and he just because he's honest, right? Mm-hmm. You know? And I'd be like, man, this can't be real. Like this guy's really in the American hockey league. Yeah. Like an absolute piston, man. Like mm-hmm. just I I watched the Minnesota Wild play the Ottawa Senators in like 0405 or whatever. No, not 0405, like I think 0203. Mm-hmm. It was 0203 or 0506. It was one of those years because yeah. there was a lockout, I think, 0405. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was like front row watching Brian McGratton fight Derek Bugard. Mm-hmm. And fast forward to 2010 or 11. Here he is in warm-ups. Damn it. You're even closer than the front row yeah, now. <laughs> I'm just like, here he is, damn it. Like, fuck, that's really him. Fucking, yeah. He's out here, man. Like, And like I said, to to, to the uh, to, to my age and my understanding, like, you know, if I was a 20-year-old, maybe I could have gotten away with not showing up right. with a guy that was so seasoned and maybe the team would have, you know, showed patience. But here I am, a 29-year-old, like, like, bro, we brought you here for a run reason. Mm-hmm. Like, to be a good teammate, you know what I mean? Not be a punk, be a good citizen. And just, you know, with whatever your reputation was before you got here, like we expect you to live up to that. Yep. And part of that is you have to fight that man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, we can't, we can't go into a, a, into a professional hockey game with our team afraid because they're tough guys afraid. Right. And unwilling to do his job, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're expect the rest of the team to go out there and think like it's, like the like the boogeyman's not really there when he's right. right there in front of you and flesh and blood. So um, warm up ends and I go to the bathroom and there's uh, uh, Azevedo and and uh, Andrew Campbell in the urinals and where they both looked at me like literally at the same time and start laughing like <laughs> like <laughs> they're like <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah like just like in- loving the fact that they didn't have to be me yeah. <laughs> And uh, as a Vado, he's like a little guy, but he, he, he talks like Tony Soprano. Like he was like, you know, eight inches taller and a yeah. hundred pounds heavier. He's got like a, he's got a right. He's like, you okay, bro? <laughs> and I'd be like, no, man, I want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I want to say. Like, I want to go home. Yeah. You know, like, what am I doing? Like, you know, uh, kind of thing. But 
obviously, you know, I knew it was a tremendous opportunity to right. like get gain more respect. Obviously, like I was, I was definitely game and very eager to to continue building credibility because mm-hmm. um, I I liked being there. Yeah. I did, man. I, I was I was like, man, you're playing big league hockey, so to speak, or at least to me, you know. Yeah. I never thought I was going to be at that level playing with these guys and, and that level of hockey and get out there. And, um, I don't know if it was a combination of, I don't know, maybe him, maybe not being ready or just maybe kind of like, am I really fighting this kid? Like what's he got for me? Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. um, who knows what was going on with him or whatever, right? Like, I, I don't know, but obviously I knew he had nothing but complete, you know, confidence, um, you know, and he just, he falls. Yeah. You know what I mean? He falls right away. Like, um, and because he threw his elbow pads off, the referee threw him out of the game. No shit. I was like, even better. <laughs> I was like, yeah, get that guy out of here. You know what I mean? Like, what's he doing? Like, shame on him. Yeah. That's not, that, but just in all seriousness, I was right. like, because had he not thrown him out, there would have been a round two. Of course. A hundred percent. And what's so good about Brian McGradden is our first shifts weren't against each other. And I knew I had to go out there and I had to be me because at that point of the year, the year had like after the like Yablonski situation and where we were at then there that night I had become, I had learned to kind of like play the role mm-hmm. and that was get out there and just be on it and be eager and be hard to play against. Um, ruthless, no matter who you were on the other team. And so I probably overdid it out of paranoia or whatever. And because waiting around to fight a guy like that just was not going to be good for me. Like right. I was already nauseous. I was already sick to my stomach. Like I wanted this over with as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And like a guy like that fights you when he wants to fight you. Right. I mean, to be honest with you, like he fights you when he wants to fight you. He doesn't fight you when you want to fight, like being where who he was at that point of his career. And you know, that reputation that he had earned, mm-hmm. um, it was going to be on his terms, but if I could help it anyway, by just being an idiot, you know, I had to do it. I had to, because I didn't want to, I didn't want this to leak out in the second period when I'm more tired or whatever. And, right. uh, and then maybe the game ends without me fighting him and just how, how bad that would have been for me yep. if I did, if I didn't fight him. Mm-hmm. Right. So I remember coming back to the bench after my first shift and he's standing there in between the benches, like, you know, right there at the partition. Mm-hmm. And he, sta- he stands up and he looks right at me. He, he like tilts his shoulders at me. And he just, he just does the, he's not talking out loud. He's just bobbing his head. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right. All right. Like, he's just giving me that kind of like, all right, mm-hmm. I see you. Like, I know you're here. All right. Yeah, we'll have one. We'll fight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, shit, you, you wouldn't did it, damn it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. And, but it had, to, it had to happen. Right. Um, but uh, that was another, you know, we, we talk about steps. That, that was a step for me to where I'd, like, you know, stepped up to a challenge um, and was willing. And, you know, that being all my teammates ever would have hoped or expected of me. Um, 
and uh, it was it was a bit of a no contest, right? So you know, even better, like nothing really happened. Yeah. December fourth, twenty ten, you scored your first AHL goal in spring uh, against Springfield. Really quick, I didn't address LeBlanc. Oh yeah, yeah. He addressed. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, that guy is a absolute alligator or great white shark like just take you on a complete gator roll Mm -hmm. or drag you down to the bottom of the ocean um, and really confront what like I mean just just strong Mm -hmm. two-handed fighter a hard hitter Um, he was the first person to ever punch me in the eye like in the eye Mm -hmm. So I remember that first fight, he punched me square in the eye, and I was like, oh, there it is. It's over. <laughs> like, my face is broken. That's it. Because yeah. I never, I didn't, I didn't know what that felt like to get punched in the eye yet. Right. You know, all the fist fights growing up and, you know, like on the playground and whatever after school at the bus stop and, mm-hmm. you know, hockey, I'd never had anybody give me a proper punch in the eye. Right. And I remember I couldn't even see, like, immediately. Like, just like, like yeah. I'm here. Because he hit me so hard in the side of the head a few times, but he punched me right in the eye. And I remember being like, that's it. Like, my face is caved in. Like, oh, my God, it's over. Like, oh, man, I let everybody down. Like, I'm not going to be able to, like, fight anymore. Because, like, for me at that age, I was like, obviously, I had, I had known from playing with uh, Jason Risner growing up that, or being around him, like, because he had, he had an unfortunate accident where he had a plate and screws in his, his face because he got kicked. Like, if you got a plate and screws, like, you're not fighting. Right. You know, and those guys that did, man, wow, all power to you. But mm-hmm. I, I just know I've heard clinically, like, once that happens, like, the doctor tells you, like, you absolutely should never get into a, any kind of fisticuffs again. Mm-hmm. But, like, lucky for me, it was just a black eye. And then when I had gotten hurt, I had a knee injury. I had to get my knee scoped. And then my very first fight with my knee scope was against freaking Pierre-Luc LeBlanc, damn it. Like, I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I, I need a warm-up. You know what I yeah. mean? And this is after he had that minute and a half long uh, odyssey with Cam Jansen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the, I mean, the guy was just a machine. Yeah. Uh, but also a very classy, very respectful guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wasn't going wasn't gonna to grandstand, wasn't going to peacock on anybody. Like, just you know, another guy that probably could have been military, special forces, like, just uh, uh strong in who he was and um well liked, well respected. Um somebody you should be afraid of. You know, I think everybody that saw that video of him, I think he knocked out McGra- uh Gratton. Is that true in training camp? I, that, that I'm not video? sure about. We, you sure. might want to check. I mean I've watched I some will. of the YouTube videos. Yeah. I, I could be wrong, but I right. wanna say he was like a young kid and I wanna say he dropped Gratton. Okay. In in training camp. That's possible. Uh, um, if it if Josh Gratton, if you hear yep. this, like, I'm, if it's not you and it's somebody else, I apologize. Trust me, the well, man that never bleeds. I I, I apologize, but I want to say, like, the guy he came into pro hockey already, like, doing damage. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. No, there. I mean, you like I said, you jumped into the deep end here when you with uh, Manchester here, but I want to talk about this night. Uh, you scored your first AHL goal against Springfield. I don't know if you remember that at all. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. I got to play with Mark Andre Cleish. He was our captain. Mm-hmm. The best 
games I ever played at that level were when I got to play with Cleesh. Mm-hmm. He played a very solid game. Like, didn't cheat, played played great end zone defense or whatever. And so a lot of the shifts that I had with him were played in the offensive zone mm-hmm. because he was so good defensively that we never really got stuck in our own in our own end. And he and he communicated, and so it makes the game way easier mm-hmm. to play with somebody who communicates. Like, hey, here, chip, low, blah, blah, wait, hold it. There, you know what I mean? Like, just um, and a very strong guy, like mm-hmm. another guy that was super fit. And uh, man, had a, had a, had a, had a night, you know. Well, <laughs> had a night. Like the game was going well, and and got to have the puck on my stick a little bit more than usual. And anybody will tell you, like, you know, you get your hands on the puck and actually have time to actually like maybe do something you want with it, mm-hmm. it's you're more likely to do something positive. Uh, I would never pretend to be like, oh, hey, fuck, I get to put on my stick, I'm going to do fucking damage. You know yeah. what I mean? That's, no, that's not me. That's not, was not my game, definitely at that level. But as anybody will tell you, it just allows you to get more comfortable. And when you're more comfortable, you're more confident. And, uh, you know, you're more, you're more inclined to make a play that's, uh, not a bad one. You had one goal and two assists that night. The irony of that night is you were the fight short of the Gordy Howe hat trick. I tried. <laughs> I tried. Yeah. I tried. I think that was a part of the year where uh, Columbus may not have had a guy in the Maybe. lineup. Yeah. Um, and it was a home game. And, um, you know, I'd love to hear what other guys say. But on certain nights where you just get to play. Yeah. Like you're back to being a little kid again, mm-hmm. um, and you're... those aren't nights you take for granted, right? So, uh, and what I mean by that is like I was gonna play, mm-hmm. you know. I don't think they had anybody in the lineup that night. Uh, I think the game was in hand. Obviously, if I'm getting three points, the game must be in hand. <laughs> um, so getting in a fight would have been a complete waste of time. And, you know, right. if you cheat, if you cheat the game looking for fights and, and on those nights, you know, those are the nights where maybe somebody catches you or maybe you get hurt. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. We're going to talk about somebody you fought before, but a, a team that's going to come into play here for the remainder of your career. And that's, uh, that's Worcester. Uh, you fought Eric Lizon of Worcester uh, and this time you had two good hands, and and you dropped them. Do you remember that fight? Yes, this was a long time coming for me. Uh, I'm sure he's a really great guy, mm-hmm. like, but he definitely kind of played up to like, I'm I'm Frankenstein. You guys should all be afraid of me. Okay, he kind of really had that aura, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked like Frankenstein too. Yeah, you know he he had that. He had a head on him, like, okay. um, and he also had a huge right hand. Mm-hmm. And he was just one of those guys where he 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 get to jump on you because that whole mechanism he had about grabbing and just coming right away with it was 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 really impressive. Mm-hmm. And I felt like he didn't get to he didn't get a full measure of me mm-hmm. when I was with the Aces years ago. So like, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to fight him, like. One of the few times where, like, obviously there was that, there was that, like, nervousness, ner- mm-hmm. nervous energy, but I was just like, man, this guy, I think he thinks that he's going to beat me up. Mm-hmm. Like, I really think that this guy, like, he has no reason, of, but to, uh, he has no reason to not think anything different because 
he had control of me in those first, because I was just kind of swimming in those fights, trying to be right-handed. Right. And I was like, I don't like that. That's what he thinks. Yeah. And even more so, like, why, why, why wouldn't he think that? Right. right. Mm-hmm. So here he is getting called up. You're like, man, I'm going to come up there. Everybody, I see this Justin Johnson guy getting all these fights and getting established in the American League. I should be there. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I was like, oh, man, dude, he, I don't think, like, I don't think he knows what's coming, you know? Yeah. And, um, uh, fun part, another fun part of this fight was he, he carried himself in a way where he's like, yep, I'm, 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 I'm an, I'm an ass kicker. And like, I'm not here to beat people up. And, but in a way where like at, to the American league guys that have been there, mm-hmm. you know, a guy like Clune, he'd seen that before. Right. And so he was talking shit to him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And other guys on my team were talking shit to him. Like fucking buddy, you like bend your knees. You know what I mean? Like just, <laughs> he, he was, yeah. he wasn't a very, like he wasn't a very good player. Right. Right. Um, but, but he was tough, very, yeah. very tough. And I remember like, all right, it's time. And clone screamed out, you're about to get knocked out. <laughs> you're about to get knocked out. Mm-hmm. And I remember somebody, I forget, I wish I wouldn't have forgotten. I mean, it could have been Brent Thompson who told me this, but somebody told me, always try to fight in front of your bench because when you fight in front of your bench, you, you'll be better. Yeah. You know what I mean? In front of yeah. your teammates because you'll you have not? that, you'll have that support of your teammates. You can hear it. Yeah. You can feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Your teammates don't want to see you lose. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I remember him saying that. And uh, I got through his first big punch because it's a big one and was lucky enough to, you know, get out, you know, do what I expected to do um, just in terms of like showing him, hey, I, I'm, I am game. You know what I mean? Like I do have I am capable of like, you know, being someone you should be worried about, you know, and luckily, you know, hit him in the right spot a couple of times and yeah, it, it was a good win. You fought Justin Soriel three times that year. All these guys, it's good. Well, for someone like myself, uh, the division you were in, the, the, all the New England teams, everybody had a tough player. Uh, and Soriel was a uh, was one of the tougher guys on Connecticut. You ended up scrapping him three times that year. Another guy that was all game, man. Mm-hmm. Just um, a good hockey player. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think I may have been catching him where he was probably questioning, like, all right, man, like, am I ever going to get a shot kind of thing? And, like, I got guys like Justin Johnson getting called up and, like, you know, I kind of want to play. And this guy, all he wants to do is fight, mm-hmm. you know, and because right. uh, he had a name yeah, by then. And uh, I think the first fight in Hartford went my way. And. The second fight we had, or I don't know if it was the third fight we had, but he 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 brought it, mm-hmm. and it was a hell of a fight. It was, it was a hell of a fight. Like I remember that was being like, man, that was whew. So you go to the penalty <laughs> box, you're like, shoot, that was a fucking, that was a good old fashioned scrap. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yep. uh, but another guy like just uh, showed you respect, and he made it easy for you to show him respect in return. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot, very dignified. Uh, round one against the guy who we're gonna who comes into play in, in your season next year uh, multiplied of, by a bunch of times. Uh, 
you had a really good, you did really well against Fraser McLaren in, in your first fight with him, which was this season. Yep. Yep. Just uh, another athlete. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you fought him, like you were fighting an athlete, but a guy that could have played football, mm-hmm. uh, big, big body. Um, and I think, you know, same as me was learning how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, I, I think I was good for him. Yeah. You know, cause I think I forced him to have to like, Hey man, like, do you think you're going to like be a power? You think you're gonna be Cam Neely out here? No. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, and yep. so, uh, mm-hmm. but I think he had, you know, you know, visions of like just playing where I was like, I wouldn't let him. Yeah. Because like, you know, I wanted fights. I felt like if you fight every night, they can't send you down. Mm-hmm. But that is honestly what I thought. I thought if you go out there and you fight every single night, they will not send you down. Mm-hmm. Because at this point I was drunk on the whole, like, oh man, I'm in the American hockey league. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and just like the fear of being sent home, sent down was uh terrifying yeah and so like sorry fraser like we have to fight yeah you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. and uh you know sometimes sometimes you get in these these uh these fights and um you know you're taking advantage of somebody because like they weren't they weren't they didn't want to have like a good old-fashioned square off so sometimes you just had to grab people and make them fight you right and uh i did that to him a couple times March 12th, game against Bridgeport. You have a rematch with Riley Emerson. Now, uh, this time I think you're you're probably way more confident a fighter than you were in your first fight with him. Um, and But now you're also up. Now, now he's in the American League. I think he was called up. You're now establishing yourself in the American League, and, and you did very well in this fight. Uh, what do you remember about that second fight with Riley? Um, I remember I had the luxury of having a personal fight coach. Um, and by the end of this conversation, I'm going to find this guy's name. His name is Jeremy. And uh, he really needs to be recognized. Um, where he had taught me, you have to get in on these guys. And he, and he made sure I understood like what that means. Like when you get inside, you're right underneath them. They're standing straight up and they're punching down. That doesn't hurt. You know what I mean? Like when a guy's just short, just punching you without bending his knees and he's not rotating and he's just punching down because you're right in his chest. Mm-hmm. Like you can take those all night. None of those are going to hurt. Right. Um, like that's, I mean, that's, that's gold. Mm-hmm. Like that is absolutely golden to a guy like me who's listening and paying attention. Yeah. And a uh, situation where you swim through the getting through his arms and you get in and you, you get some good shots in on him because he's just standing right in front of you. You know, and, uh, you know, I, I remember, I, I remember I didn't, like, I didn't see it. I just heard the crowd just yeah. go, ah, oh, the crowd yeah. gas mm-hmm. because he, because he fell down on his way to the penalty box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so Bridgeport took him out of the game. Yeah. Um, and I just like, whoa, I remember sitting in the penalty box that night being like, well, I, I really want to feel good about this right now, but I can't. Right. Mm-hmm. Because. Brett Gallant's over there still. Well, that's what I was going to say. That's the <laughs> yeah. downside of doing well against the Bridgeport Sound Tiger in a fight. You got the real boogeyman waiting in the wings. Yeah, and I was just like, like I, I remember just being robbed of that happiness of being like, wow, like you know what I mean? Like yeah. because I was just like, I, like I said, I think my age, you know, or whatever maturity maybe I think I had because trust me, I did a lot of immature things even after that. 
even to this day. Same here. But I, <laughs> I was just like, bro, you don't get to relax for a second because now he's gonna ha- not, now he's gonna come for you. Like mm-hmm. he's, I, I already knew he was gonna want to fight me to begin with because he was he was getting his chance just like I was getting mine. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, whatever just happened with that Emerson guy, that's not what's gonna happen with Brett Gallant. No. You you know what I mean? Like yep. it's not gonna. So I need to like grab this Gatorade and this water bottle and st- keep drinking it. You know what I mean? And yep. just stay focused. Um, and, uh, yeah. Then I had to, you know, uh, so, someone who I'll love. Uh, man, if I, if, if I had a, if I had a daughter, I would name her Brett. Yeah. You know, I, I love, uh, I love this guy, like with my whole heart. And, uh, I, you know, I didn't know at the time that we'd get to be teammates, but yeah. Somebody who was like, I mean, we're talking, if you want, I mean, Rocky, man, like just like Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Megadeth, like incarnated, Mm -hmm. wearing hockey skates. That was Brett Gallant, you know, and uh, I can listen to you talk about that man all night. I mean, this is a Brett Gallant love fest right now because I love that guy. I had the fortune to meet him once last season. I'd never met him before. What a super guy. And, you know, I, I will listen to you talk about that man till the cows come home. I love I love me some galley. Oh, no, he is. Uh, I mean, where do you start? Where do you finish with him? Uh, I know you'll you'll help. You'll help me through this as we get along to when we get to Bridgeport. Yeah. But at well, this at this at this point in time, yeah, it was like you, you're hearing the stories about him. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, and and uh, that was a guy who was like wasn't going to go anywhere. He was going to stand right in front of you and keep punching until it was, until it was over, mm-hmm. until you went down or he went down, or until like the crowd had had enough. Mm-hmm. You know, or the refs had had enough. Yeah. Like you two, you two just all right. Okay, we get it. Like, you guys are, you guys are tough. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, whatever, yeah. Whatever they want to think. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I mean, we we ended up playing again, obviously that season, and uh, had a fight in Bridgeport this time. That was uh, uh, probably one of my more honest, like, toe to toe. That was a beauty fight. Yeah, where it was just like, all right, man. Like, mm-hmm. I know why you're here. I know where I'm here, and like, like if I don't fight you the way you fight or whatever, my team is going to look at me differently. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like by now everyone knows you're a toe to toe dude. Like you're not going anywhere. You're not ducking and covering at all. You are. Um, I mean, you, you're, you're a bad dream. That's, that's, that you can't get that. That's just never going to go away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, um, there is something impossible about that, I think, with some people. But it's also, you know, obviously special where when somebody is just, they are going to be that no matter what. Um, in your personal life, like, you know, like uh, if you have a, a friend, um, you know, or somebody professionally that you work with, um, where it's just like, man, no matter what, they are going to show up. And you're going to get their absolute best. They're never going to make an excuse. And you just you, you just know that you're you're 
full send all these things you see on the, the internet ever. Um, you're unbreakable. Um, is what he is. He's unbreakable. Like whatever exists inside him and his heart and his mind and what he is giving to the game and his teammates um, is he does not compromise. You know, Um, he is like to a fault for himself personally, like would fight when he has no business fighting, broken hands, ripped up shoulders, um, maybe he might be concussed or whatever. And he told me later on that, like, he he had a fight the night before coming to, to either Manchester or me coming to Bridgeport where somebody caught him. I think it was the guy in the Bruins. You need to look that up. Okay. But somebody somebody caught a lucky one in on him mm-hmm. or a cheap one. And uh, he wasn't in the best of shape or whatever. But, like, he didn't go tell his coaches, like, hey, man, like, I'm, I think I'm slightly concussed. And I'm probably going to fight somebody that may be one of my tougher fights. Of the year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's him. Right. Yeah. So, um, special, I mean, another unicorn, yeah. you know, yeah. and, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you kind of run, run this cause there's other yeah. parts of the story that I really want to make sure I get out in terms of, uh, uh, how special he is. Yeah. No, and uh, I mean, I still think to this day he's the toughest guy playing right now in any league. I mean, NHL, AHL, Coast, whatever. I, I, I take him. I'd put my money on him against anybody playing right now. So, yep. uh, um, so you, you were given instructions, basically what, what the Hextall and the Kings expected of you in Manchester. You obviously delivered. Uh, at the end of season meeting, did you get any any feedback from either uh, Manchester coaches or the Kings brass at all uh, about the job that you did? Uh, well, actually, the first year it went really well, mm-hmm. and um, they made it clear to me that they want to bring me back. Okay. And uh, I signed a contract not knowing that I had other better ones out there, just, you know, the, the, the nature of, like, timing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And because I wasn't on an NHL contract, I could still sign something with another team mm-hmm. because it was only an American League contract. And the Rangers had come to my agent with a two-year thing with a two-way contract, which supersedes anything I'd already signed. Right. So I won't get too much into it because yeah. I would, I'd hate for anything to be, be perceived as like, he's not, you know, whatever, but Ron Hextall to his credit matched it and gave me the second year, but they didn't give me the NHL tag, okay. which at the time I thought was like, man, that would have been really cool. Like say I signed an NHL contract, right? but, but because of what had happened, I want to say he maybe, I think he maybe gave me an extra $10,000 okay. and a guaranteed second year. Um, and so I chose to stay with Manchester after that first year. Did you get to go to camp with the Kings or no? (sighs) Fantasy camp? Yeah. (laughs) All expenses paid to LA. You know what I mean? Like Uh the Lakers Kings facility and Dean Lombardi and, you know, uh, Terry Murray and Mm -hmm. Angie Kopitar and Dustin Brown. Uh, just a, wow. You're on the ice with these guys. Oh, and Simone Gagne, Mike Richards. Yeah. Um, like, wow. You know? Yeah. Uh, nothing but fun. I, nothing but fun. 
that, that's what I'm wondering. Like, you, you know, you say it yourself, you never expected to make the American League. Now you're in an NHL locker room, NHL training camp in California, and you're sharing a locker room with these guys. I mean, you just had to pinch yourself. Yeah, I'd love to say I was sharing a locker room, but the status I was in, no, I was in an adjacent locker room. Oh, okay. The hall around the corner. <laughs> but I did get to get on the ice with them. Okay. Uh, those guys got dressed in the actual Kings locker room. I got but you. still. But still, I got to be on the ice with them. And uh, Mike Richards is, man, the guy is just the, one of the coolest guys I've ever been around. Just so cool. Yeah, just I love such it. A, just like when you talk about just cool, he's cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yep. he epitomizes that. Like this awesome guy. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love him. Uh, we we actually lived in Philly for ten years, and uh, and I got to meet him after a game once. And uh, he he's just really I love him. And, but when my son, my oldest son, was younger, that was his favorite player. And uh, yeah. and he, Richie was just he was always very cool. So I, I I agree with you. I love the guy too. So mm-hmm. um, so you go back down to Manchester. Uh, Richie Clune is back there. Nolan's back there. Uh, one guy who we talked about earlier that. Um, that we didn't discuss yet uh, actually is currently with the Islanders, Andy Andrioff, uh, yep. very young guy at the time. What do you remember about playing with him in Manchester? Fearless, you know, fearless on and off the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, really good hockey player, skilled, smooth, you know, big, strong, handsome. Um, He's still handsome like, by the way. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, just, and I, I remember him doing things in the bar where I just like, well, stop it, Andy, stop it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Stop it. You know what I mean? Like just, just, you know, there'd be a, a, a lady standing right next to her boyfriend and he'd walk right up to her. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I'd be like, Andy, stop, stop it, Andy. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, but it was obviously hilarious. Yeah. Uh, but just he, he, uh, you know, at that point in his life, I think he had lost his father. I don't know how, how many years prior. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he was a, a bit reserved, but very warm um, kind of guy, you know, like a, just a just a good kid, like respectful of the older players, um, really likable, um, really good, like impressive, mm-hmm. you know, um, and a guy that um, maybe looked at me like, hey, hey man, like, he allowed me to kind of nurture him a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he, he was just like, you know, like I wasn't, a, I wasn't a prospect. I wasn't like some big time guy that was going to the NHL or whatever. I wasn't a star mm-hmm. by any means, but he treated me very well. Um, and I got along really good with him. I got another, along really good with him. Another young guy that you played with who's still playing today. He's, uh, one of the scourges of the league to some of these writers in Toronto who don't like fighting. And I don't think he, he really found himself in that role yet when you played with him was Nick Delorier. Yep. 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 Um, badass, absolute badass, mm-hmm. like really good hockey player, mm-hmm. like very skilled, you know what I mean? Defenseman. Yeah. Uh, but he could play forward, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, like to have a good time with the guys. Um, he wasn't uh, self-absorbed at all. Yeah. At all. Like, zero arrogance. Like, not pompous, not... Air, like, just... Um, one of those guys you root for. Mm-hmm. He makes... He's easy to root for. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah I love him. Because he, he, he's such a good teammate. And then he's just like, you just can't, and then you just can't ignore the fact that the guy is tough. Mm-hmm. Like he is tough. Like he commands every, every, you know, everywhere he takes a step. Like he's not like he, he carries a, a good measure of like, Hey, respect me, you know, not because I'm an asshole, but just because like, Hey man, like I'm not someone you can trifle with, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but a damn like, excellent hockey player, yeah. excellent hockey player. I think I think had the Kings at that time not already been such a you know cup winning cups or whatever he probably would have got more of an opportunity with them. Yeah, I mean he's been fortunate. He's been on some teams now that have allowed him to play. And I know when uh, when the Flyers come to town, it's him and Zach McEwen that I'm watching on that team, and and they're a lot of fun. And I always wonder because a lot of times they play here and they don't dress Johnston, and I always wonder why they don't run around more, but. Uh, he's definitely the guy I'm watching on Philadelphia. So, and I'm glad mm-hmm. he's here in the East. So I get to see him more. Oh, he's a pro. Yeah. Absolute pro. Like, mm-hmm. and a family man, mm-hmm. that guy is nonstop on his Instagram, posting pictures of his wife and his beautiful kids. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that about him. Love that. That's great. No, I'm, I'm a family man. So I, I love that stuff too. Um, all right, so now let's get into it. This year, Manchester, second on the team in penalty minutes, ninth in the league. You had 23 fights, but that's not counting one fight, and it, it, there was almost another one. So let's get to it. And and I mentioned Worcester was going to become a team that would uh, really be part of your career. This season, you fought Jimmy Bono five times, and it could have been six because you almost went at it in the warm-up before your first fight with him. So tell mm-hmm. me, tell me what was going on with you and Jimmy Bono that year. Um, Jimmy Bono is a good, honest guy, man. Mm-hmm. Like, same thing. Um, I needed him, and he needed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, obviously, me being left-handed, um, I had an advantage that way. But he was very savvy at uh, limiting me being able to be more effective with it. Mm-hmm. So he was a really tough guy to fight. You know, I, I had a few that where I was able to kind of slip some in and kind of maybe be a little more active, mm-hmm. but he, uh, very good fighter on the rink. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he, he's not really knocking people out mm-hmm. ever, but, uh, he knows how to handle himself. Mm-hmm. And another guy that's very uh, astute and respectful and, uh, you couldn't hate him. Mm-hmm. You couldn't hate him. You wanted to win your fights with him, obviously. Right. But you did not dislike him. He was very like, like, like I liked him. Yeah. But we had to fight. Right. You know? And, uh, so that was like a weird, unique relation. I'm sure people on Worcester and Masters were like really confused at like how we talked. Yeah. You know, we would have a fight and in between, in between the locker rooms, they have this curtain. Mm-hmm. I would be speaking to him in between periods. Yeah. Or I'd be speaking to him after the game. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? He'd be in, he'd be in his suit. I'd be in my suit. We'd be speaking to each other, very almost as if we were friends or yeah. work partners. You know what I mean? Um, uh, zero bad blood, but uh, yeah, uh, just a really really tough guy that was uh, very savvy and uh, tactical in terms of like tying you up and keeping you from being able to you know do any harm, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, he he was he was he was one of my more difficult fights always. Yeah, he's very talented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not to be outdone, his teammate, who we brought up last season, Fraser McLaren, you had four fights with him this year, which actually you had five fights with him, but one of them was a fight you had in the warm-up. And uh, it, that could have got a lot crazier than it actually did. So tell me tell me about uh, your series of fights with Fraser, and then tell me about that uh, that warm-up fight in uh, that April. Uh, yeah, just elaborating on kind of what we – like, like I just, you know, I was my second year in the league and still trying to keep myself established and, mm-hmm. you know, wanted to kind of, you know, if anything, raise my value up and, and make more money, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then just be honest about like, hey, like, this is something you get to stop doing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like, don't think that people are running around afraid of you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you need to show up and uh Frazier was a young big strong strapping guy and and uh um he was kind of coming into his own but this this game was actually really funny because George Clooney and I Richard Clooney and I were kind of right there to like try to get like the fighting majors lead in the year okay for the year mm-hmm. and so like we were looking forward to that game because we were going to you know he had someone to fight in Santa Acalatse mm-hmm. I had a couple guys to fight in Frazier and Jimmy you know, so it was just chance that him and I were going to get a fight that day. Right. You know, um, I forget who the other guy in the league was that was had a bunch of majors. But we're in warm-ups, and Clune's being Clune, heckling the hell out of him, <laughs> you know, teasing him, taunting him or whatever. And we're in the half moon where Hickey, he was our designated passer, mm-hmm. you know, where he, he runs around and passes you the puck, and you get to take your little shot on goal. Mm-hmm. And I remember where all of a sudden something was going on, and I had no idea. I had no idea something was going on. Mm-hmm. And so when, it was, so when I thought it was my turn to get the puck, he's holding on to it, and he looks at me, and he points. <laughs> he goes, hey, you see that over there? <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, what? I look, and oh, my God, something's happening. There's a scrum over there by the penalty boxes. So I go in there, I get in there, and uh, I go to engage him. And he fucking gives me like one of those like stiff fucking forearm fucking jabs. Yeah. Like, like F you, like, fuck you. You're going to come in here and do something. And I was like, right. hell yeah, I am. Are you kidding me? And then <laughs> boom, he came over with a huge one. I think I ducked it and mine landed clean and he went down. Thank God. Yep. Um, he went down and then you, you can see the pile and then their coach comes in. He can see in the video mm-hmm. sorts of sorts us all out. And I'm just like, well, there's no way I'm in trouble for that because I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Right. You right. know, like my teammates were getting into it. It's the last game of the year, right? And I think we're a playoff bound. I'm not sure. But, like, it's my job to not let the game get out of hand. Like, if the game right. gets out of hand and I look bad, it means I'm not very effective at my job if, like, there's a bunch of cheap shit going on, right? And I can't right. have, you know, Azevedo and Clune or whoever was over there getting, like, messed with. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even give me a chance to settle anything down. He just immediately gave me some like jerk shiv, you know, mm-hmm. right, to, right. And so obviously I wasn't going to just like let that go unchecked. Right. And so we get in the locker room and usually my number is always the fourth number out on the right side because mm-hmm. you could dress an extra four in the lineup right. for warmups. Mm-hmm. And so coach, uh, coach comes in, um, uh, gosh, man, I'm, I'm Maybe I've had a couple too many drinks or whatever. I love this man. Tell her. Uh, my coach. Yeah. No, no. The, the head oh. coach. Oh, uh, okay. uh, I'll find it. Stand by. Uh, uh, Mark Morris. 
Yes, Coach mm-hmm. Morris, Mark Morris. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm going to go bang my head against the wall. I can't believe I, <laughs> I love this man. And uh, he comes and looks at me and then just takes his finger, his thumb, and just smudges my number off the board like, you're not playing. And I was like, what? You know? Like, yeah. they need me. They need me t- tonight. There was almost a brawl in warm-ups. You definitely need me yeah. in the line tonight. And then Richard Richard Clune, I really respect him for this. He immediately was like, Coach, that wasn't that wasn't his fault. That was my fault. I started that, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, just he just very unceremoniously scratched me from the game. Wow. And uh, which I, you know, took personal the way yeah. he did it. But, you know, he, he didn't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was watching at the time. He probably just heard that JJ was out there being crazy in warm-ups. Mm-hmm. Right, right. When I was just kind of sticking up for my teammates, and mm-hmm. McLaren didn't even give me a choice. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually had to blow off some steam. So I was walking around Worcester with my hockey gear on, wearing sandals <laughs> for about 45 minutes. I was walking around on a Sunday afternoon wearing my flip-flops, walking up and down downtown Worcester in my hockey equipment. Oh, my um, God. You must have looked like well, a psycho. Uh, yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. Well, I was very upset the way um, he scratched me, but I was very upset that I wasn't out there and what could have or may have happened right. because I wasn't out there. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, nothing weird happened or whatever, but I was very upset. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Look, it was Halloween in March. Jesus. You know, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> um. So you did fight other guys that weren't on Worcester. Uh, it just seemed like you, everyone you fought was on Worcester. Uh, the year before, I, I think it was your first fight with Lane McDermott of Providence, the smaller of the two brothers. Uh, and then you had two more fights with him this season. Uh, you remember fighting Lane? Yep. Yep. He was a, not, not, not a very, like, he wasn't looking forward to it. He was right. trying to be a player. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, that was kind of their, their guy. Yeah. Um, and so, um, but game uh good player yeah he's a good player um i don't know if he got hurt or had some concussion issues or whatever but i feel like his career may have gotten cut short by something but uh no definitely a very respectable guy uh another providence guy from earlier in the ushl days you hooked up with bobby robbins that year yep i was looking forward to that one because i knew he probably thought he was you know something fierce Mm -hmm. i think he was coming off a huge year in the east coast hockey league Mm -hmm. uh, the year prior and uh, that fight went well, I remember. Uh, so that, that was like, all right, hey, I could kind of keep myself where I'm at and keep you where you're at kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but he was awesome at, at playing the role, mm-hmm. as we all saw. Mm-hmm. Um, great guy. Everybody I've ever, any, anybody I've ever met that knew him personally loves him. Yeah. Um, and another guy that's been very um, honest yeah. with people about some of the things he's dealt with. Yep. Oh, in absolutely. life and uh, and he was a good hockey player yes he was a good hockey player mm-hmm. uh you had uh two fights against garrett klotz in a game against lehigh valley you remember that yes i do um that guy was he was a little more inclined to kind of be a bodybuilder yeah than, a, than an enforcer mm-hmm. um not somebody who looked forward to, to fighting but uh good 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 dude mm-hmm. good dude he they, they went my way but he handled it well mm-hmm you know uh, what I mean? Like, good guy. Yeah, I saved the the best two for last. So uh, I didn't see this fight, uh, but you fought the wrecker who was with Hershey. Yeah, uh, I think he gave me a black eye. 
Okay. Um, if I was scoring the fight watching me, he probably got the edge on me. Maybe um, it was a good one, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, just just another guy I love. Yeah, uh, another guy I really love. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I don't think he's ever had a teammate that disliked him. Um, he uh, and he was every bit all game. I want to say he's in the military now. Maybe he's yeah. in special forces. Yes, um, I think he is. Mm-hmm. But but a very special uh, personality and like somebody you do not forget. Mm-hmm. Like you 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 do not forget. And another guy I would talk to a lot on the phone. Mm-hmm. Him and I would talk on the phone a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, I hopefully I was supporting him. I know he was supporting me. Um, obviously, he you know been a little more prominent than I was, um, and just. just just super like humble, like mm-hmm. just uh, not an asshole at all, mm-hmm. and uh, loves people. He loves people. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm biased. I, I think I saved the best for last. Um, someone I love, absolutely love him as a human, I love him as a hockey player, uh, love him as a fighter. I, I can't say enough good things about this man. He had two bouts with Trevor Gillies that season. So uh, yep. take me take me through what it's like squaring off with that guy. Another guy where I was just like, really? Like, what's he doing here? <laughs> what 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 is what is Trevor Gillies doing in the American Hockey League? You know what I mean? It's like it's, it's like, and this is when I think there was that sea change with uh, that element in the game. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, really? Like, what? Why is he playing in the American Hockey League? And I remember walking into the rink that day and I walked by the corner where the locker rooms and I could see him. And I was like, man, I didn't realize he was that big, mm-hmm. huge lefty. Couldn't hurt him. Um, and just had an aura, like had an energy about him. That was, um, you felt it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and he was going to eat your lunch if you let him like absolutely devour, you know, and if not with, you know, his fists, you know, with like, hey, man, everyone in the rink tonight is going to know that this is my rink. You know, like some guys are just, you know, they're a little different in terms of, uh, you know, they're, they're not they're not they're just not as ominous as he is. Right. Um, but like, if you, if you let him, he will make it obvious to every adult child, whatever, like that, that is, there's a, there's like mommy and daddy, like, is is that a, you know, is that a T-Rex? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) is that a Cobra? Like he, uh, he just exudes that, that, that rare, uh, energy. And a lot of these guys like Gallant and Yablonsky and McIntyre have this, or you know, this, 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 uh, this, this vibe mm-hmm. and <sighs> damn it. Well, this isn't going to be any fun. And I remember being very, um, stressed out about it because he was a guy that could hurt you. Oh yeah. You know, he, he was a guy that could hurt you. There's not very many guys where, you know, I was like, yeah, this guy could hurt me, you know, but that was a guy where he could, he, he could hurt you, like actually hurt you. Yes. Um, if you weren't careful, um, very explosive, very strong, a good athlete, bent his knees, 
knew how to fight, both hands. Um, you were going to be in deep water with him no matter what, right? Like, not a guy that was going to fall down, you know, great balance, um, trained his ass off. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just a hundred percent steel. Yep. You know, uh, and someone that you're just like, man, you don't, you don't meet people like this every day in life. No. You know, you know what I mean? You, you, you just don't like good or bad. Like when, I mean, when we're talking about him, it's obviously good. Yeah. Um, you're just like, man, this guy is like, man, he, he lives and breathes this man. He wants to be tested. Mm-hmm. Like he does, he's not trying to be like, I'm the toughest guy just cause I want to be the toughest guy. Like he wants to be challenged. He wants to be in a good old fashioned fist fight mm-hmm. with somebody. Cause that's what makes him feel alive. Like he would have been a tremendous UFC fighter, I think. Oh yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I think he would have been, um, because he was so dedicated, he was so disciplined and he had the right attitude and he wasn't afraid of anything. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I had to fight him and immediately just like his, 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 uh, his footwork and how he opened up his hips or whatever, just completely got me off balance. And he knocked me off balance just right away. Yeah. Right away. Like, like the way he would step to your to the side of you and, mm-hmm. and land land a hard punch on you like you just that's not that's not normal right you know what i mean like mm-hmm. a lot of guys they might be a little more stationary but he could he could use his edges and he could he could he could take a step in a in a direction any given direction and and throw a punch at you a hard one and hit you and hit you with it mm-hmm. you know where it's like he was always a moving target he was really hard to deal with mm-hmm. um and uh, had me on the ropes, and uh, that fight very quickly turned into death, all just desperation uh, for me. And uh, you know, I, I think you know, in his mind, maybe he was just like, "All right, yeah, you fought me," you know. Um, but that was a guy too in warmups where he's like, "Hey, not at the end of the shift, I'll let you know or whatever." Hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna grab you from behind or whatever. You just let me know. But you know, we we should, we gotta have a good one. We gotta have a good one. You know, it's gotta be a good one. Mm-hmm. You know, when when I fight, it's gotta be a good one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. like I'm not, I'm not fucking around. Like it's gotta be a good one, man. When I get to have a fight, like it's gotta be a good one. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, yeah, man, okay, yeah, yep, no, yeah, it needs to be a good, no, like yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> yes, sir. You know, like, yes, sir, yep, <laughs> no. And I got the message like, hey, like we're gonna fight mono mm-hmm. mono one-on-one at the beginning of a shift and we're going to like have a good like it's like at that point where he'd been at in his career like we're not having some just waste of a time fight that like oh you're grabbing me i'm grabbing you and like it's not very um dramatic right you know like that i don't think that that's not what he was interested in in at all right um so uh, we had that fight then we had the second one and uh man i watched a lot of trevor gillies um going into that mm-hmm. a lot and uh you know i did my did my best to kind of match you know kind of 
his movements and, you know, trying to maybe limit like his ability to maybe, you know, get off on me. And uh, I think I hit him with a couple of clean ones or whatever, but we get to the penalty box and he's standing up staring at me screaming, you've been watching tape. You've been watching tape. Good job. Good job. Yeah. Man, you've been watching tape, haven't you? Haven't you? Haven't you? <laughs> and I remember everybody in the scorer's box, the people in his penalty box, the people in my penalty box, they're just like, oh, my, like they, they didn't know what to do. Right, right. You know, they didn't know what to do. Like the crowd that was sitting near us was could hear him. Um, and I remember him being like, man, you've been watching tape. <laughs> you've been watching tape. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, or whatever. And yeah. I was like, oh, man, I think that guy respects me. Oh yeah, you know that guy respects me, and uh, I felt taller that day. I felt like, man, like okay, like I'm not a chump, you know. Um, these these boogeymen just keep showing up, and as long as I keep showing up, I, I think I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, just an, just an awesome guy, awesome. Now, is watching tape sort of a double edged sword because? Obviously, you're watching it for scouting purposes. You want to see guys' tendencies. If they're righty-lefty, do they like to grapple? Do they like to just stand and throw? But if you watch too much, does the fighter, does the guy kind of get into your head a little bit? So do you have to kind of temper that? Tell me what, what your mindset is regarding that. For for me, you couldn't watch enough. Okay. Because you, you want to see, like, what do they do when they fight a lefty? Uh, what do they do when they fight a real big guy? What do they do when they fight a guy his size? What do they do when they fight a guy who actually throws punches? What do they do with guys who try to tie them up? Um, you know, like, obviously, you want to watch all of their most recent fights. Mm-hmm. Um, I gorged on all of that. Whatever I could get, whatever that was up online, I watched. Okay. Um, it was important to me because um, it either made me honest mm-hmm. about what I had looked forward to. And sometimes it would make me confident, like, okay, like I think, you know, if I've watched 15, you know, 10 or 15 of this guy's fights or whatever, I'd have a pretty good idea about like what their, what their thing is, mm-hmm. you know, like, are they somebody that knocks people out? Right. You know, are they somebody who's gutless, you know, that, you know, tries to, you know, hit you after the fight when it's over, like Stortini, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> doing, weird, you know what I mean? Like, it just, um, you know, like, I, mean, I know he's a really nice guy. No, I no. That I, that's, 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 that's the shit he, did, he would do. He would get you after te- the fight, you know? I'm going to tell you why I'm laughing, because I'm listening to you talk about guys who you respect and how they don't do certain things. And all I keep thinking is I can't wait to ask you about Stortini because he's the exact opposite of what you, in your fights of talking about the guys you respect. So that's why, because I'm sitting here going, all he's, all he's talking about are these guys that he respects that aren't showboating and aren't this and aren't that. And I'm going, Oh, I can't wait to ask him about Stortini. Oh yeah. I mean, he'd lose a fight. And he go to the penalty box like he won it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, you lost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you you thought he was a gladiator yeah. in ancient Rome. Like, you know what I mean? But I was like, nobody died there, dude. Like, yeah. and if anything, you were the, you know, but um I but I know he's I'm sure he's a good guy or whatever, yeah. but he did some stuff that was annoying. Mm-hmm. Um I forget where we're at, but uh, no. uh... Is he, uh, uh 
yeah, I, I forget where we were, where we were talking right. about. So while well, we were done with that, so we're moving on to your final season in Manchester. Uh, you only played 12 games. You had three fights. Uh, McDermott again, Jimmy Bono again, and Matt Pellick, the brother of the current Pellick on the Islanders, who seems like another monster. Uh, looks like a really big dude. Yeah, he was a huge guy. Yeah. Huge guy. This, this was a weird year. This was the lockout year. Okay. And so the uh, American League allowed teams to carry extra bodies. Mm-hmm. And there was some kind of rule about if you had a one-way contract or a two-way contract, if what would qualify you to be able to play in the American League. So if you were in a one-way contract, I don't think you could play in the American League. Right. I may or not be wrong. No, so, it sounds about right. Uh, so, yeah, just because of the nature of the league that year, um, we didn't play a lot. Right. So it was weird. It was, it was, it was strange. You always had to stay ready, mm-hmm. but most likely you weren't going to play. Were you healthy that year? Yeah. Okay. I was healthy the whole year. Okay. Um, and I think uh, you, you, you know, if you looked at a lot of the guys' numbers that year, um, mm-hmm. it probably depends on the division and, and who you played a lot. Right. But right. Uh, I know, I know for me and other guys, you know, I, I don't think Riker played a lot that year. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I mean, every, I think I would assume everybody played more than I did, but it was, uh, you know, the LA had so many young prospects mm-hmm. that yeah. needed to be in the lineup. And, uh, and the other teams, they were playing their prospects and weren't necessarily playing with their tough guys. And so if you're not playing your guy, why would I play my guy? Right. So right. That, that, that's the story of that year. And that concludes part two of my chat with Justin Johnson. So for those of you hoping to hear the Islanders portion of his career, the Islanders organizational portion of his career. I'm sorry I had to leave a little bit of a cliffhanger at episode two, but I promise you when you tune in next Monday for part three, and I think I just said episode two, I meant part two, but when you tune in next Monday for part three, you will get everything that you want to know about his time here with the Islanders. That is my vow to you. So until then, folks, you people out there, please stay safe.